desert in the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in all of the world's time zones. From this great now drying, finally drying high desert, I'm Art Bell. Great to be in for George Norrie. Thank you, George, and Premier Radio Networks and everybody involved. Great to be here. Our first hour tonight, we're going to examine a pretty close-in, perhaps, phenomena. There are people who think that a 1995 crop circle may have predicted something for September 6th. So we won't have long to wait, whatever that is. Coming up, Marshall Masters in a moment. Next hour, after reading all of the possibilities, I've decided we are simply going to throw open the unscreened dimensional portals and see what crawls through. <laughs> in other words, we'll just have fun. But coming up in a moment, Marshall Masters is a former CNN science teacher's news producer, freelance technical writer, television analyst, and publisher of the website YOWUSA.com. Yausa, I guess. He uh, spent three years researching the material for his book, God Child Covenant. Return of Nibiru has written extensively on Nibiru flyby-related topics to include catastrophic earth changes, crop circles, impact events, and future technologies. So coming up in a moment, we'll find out what all this is about, uh, about the 6th. I mean, it's just right around the corner after all. Stay right there. Crop circle that may for may look at uh, the uh, the date September 6th as something um, uh, some event some catastrophic event I I don't know an alignment of the planets a crop circle covered up by a government all of that uh, is what we're about to talk to uh, welcome to the program Marshall welcome good Thanks. to have you all right I mean is that is that uh, that is kind of where we're going here isn't it uh, some a uh, crop circle covered up by a government is that correct. Well, right now what's happening over in England and over here is rather amazing. The best thing for me to do is just give you a brief chronology of what I call contact denied. Contact denied. Lay it out. Okay. starts off in the 3rd of July. I published an article, Are Extraterrestrials at Odds with Crop Circle Messages? I was talking about the Crabwood 2002 formation. Are they at odds with formations? What do you mean? Well, it was just the title of it, but it was in the. This is the one where the alien holding the disc. Yes. And in there, they're saying, "Beware of, you know, basically the people coming with flour and sugar, and they're telling you the wrong things. You got to believe that there are good people out there as well." And so there was a message in there, and it was a warning. And they, also, they weren't referring to our government, were they? N well, it's hard to say who they were referring to. Okay. Um, it just was a general warning. And then what happened is that on the 16th of July, a fellow by the name of Maurice Osborne, he had done a crop circle video, which I had based that article on. And I was helping him to get it out on the Internet. And his home was broken into. They didn't touch anything except they went to his personal area of his home where he had the master copy of his video, Alien Messages, and it was destroyed. Destroyed. Destroyed and left, or destroyed and taken, disappeared, or what? Destroyed and left. Destroyed the way he described it was they pulled the tape out and tore it up and into knots. Huh. Then, after this happens, uh, Paul Vigay 
reports, this is the 18th of July, that there are conspiracies and threats against crop circle researchers in England. Verified? Verified. Now, that is, he's got that verified. I just received an email today from him. He's got solid proof on that. He's going to be bringing out an article very shortly. And What, what were the nature of the threats? The threats, as I understand them, is basically general harassment, especially against the crop circle researchers that are using the ultralights. So they're threatening to basically deny them access to the air and other things. Hmm. So there's a lot of it. There's a, Right now there's a lot of noise and a lot of bad stuff happening over there. It's not one big happy family. I understand that the crop circles in England suddenly stopped, yes? Absolutely. And this was something that... I was waiting for a continuation of the 2002 Crabwood Formation. And on August 9th... The, the Crabwood Formation having sent, what message do you feel? I think that the Crabwood Formation had a spiritual message. It had a single word sentence in all upper caps, believe. I think it was telling us that they're, they're trying to tell us in this message that some difficult times are ahead that we've got some friends out there, but that there are also some other people who are not trustworthy, and what they're doing is you know, they're offering false promises. Well, Be careful of those people. And then also the message says, conduit closing ends with a comma, which implies a continuation. Mm -hmm. And so this had happened in the middle of August of last year, and it represented a sequence of events over a three-year period of time, which I detail in the article, where there you have elements of communication building one upon the other. So like Paul Harvey, you were waiting for the rest of the story. That's right. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. And what happened was that I published an article on the 9th of August, and this one was called Recurring Crop Circle Pictograms. could be a key to a dialogue. And there was a simple glyph that kept reappearing. It appeared four times. Four complete circles connected with lines. Now, the first three times it appeared, it appeared on its own. However, the fourth time it appeared, it was the first element of an extremely complex message. And so to me, it started clicking in my head, this is a key to something. It's If you're familiar with the Internet, and that's the lingua digital of our species, and we use the Ethernet. And Ethernet has packets of information. Every packet has a header. Mm -hmm. Now, not to get into the gobbledygook, but every header says, here's the addressee and here's the sender. Mm -hmm. All right. And this is the simple part of the packet. The other part of the packet, the much larger part, is the complex part that contains the message. Mm -hmm. So what I'm seeing is like... You think we just, we just got the header? Yes, I'm seeing the header. <laughs> okay. Except the fourth time the header shows up, it's in the, in the June 31st Overton formation. There's a huge message. And it this formation is so large it takes two days to form. And again, it's just that simple header that streams the whole thing. And at that time... I just didn't know what to make sense of it. I could see it was some sort of protocol device, some sort of addressing device, but 
I figured, well, we'll see what happens in the continuation of the Crabwood Formation. Of course, yes. Well, that didn't happen. And from the August 10th on, the crop circle season in England came to a screeching halt. Um, That in itself is unprecedented, uh, just to suddenly stop like that. Well, what do you imagine? Do you imagine crop circles have been prevented from being laid down? Do you think that um, uh, that uh, there has been some sort of contact uh, between one of our governments and those laying down the crop circles? What what what? How what are you imagining happened? Well, what I'm imagining happened was that there was a sequence building. Okay. And. If you listen to what Linda at earthfiles.com has to say and Paul the Gay, because now there's at least four documented incidences. Okay, I know uh, Linda was chased by a helicopter, right? That's right. But also during this time, on the 26th of August, Swirled News comes out with date predicted in a crop formation. September 6th. Uh, 26th of August, excuse me. Oh, 26th of August, okay. I thought it was, something's pointing to September 6th, though, right? Right. Now, this is a formation that appeared back in 1995, the Tichborne Formation. Mm-hmm. And it has, um, it has basically just a chart of our inner solar system. And when you align it, it comes up perfectly with Mars basically being the time measure on the outer ring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we sat down and we checked it out ourselves. We vetted his work, and uh, he's on. You know, he's on the money with the times. And what he's showing on the sixth of September is that there is going to be an object that will be between the orbits of Venus and Earth. Mm-hmm. It'll be on the other side of the sun, and that's what's showing in the formation. Now, what happened on the twenty eighth of August was that we noticed an unidentified winged object in the Soho Lasco 3 image. Now, the fact that it's winged is important with Soho because that means it's too bright to be a star, something in the background. So it's going to be a large object. How clear is the photograph? It's on the site, absolutely clear. It's unmistakable. And I have it circled so the viewers can see it. And what happened the following day is that what was curious to us is that Soho imagery the next day, there appears to be an editing. And the editing appears to be blocking that object that had appeared the previous day. So the winged object now is suddenly gone. That's right. Fortunately, you preserved the image and have it. That's right. And it's up on the site. Then on the 29th of August... Where would this object have been? I mean, Soho's one of our satellites. Um, where would it have been? This object would... It appears that it's... We're in the vicinity of Venus. It's where this crop circle formation is generally predicting it's going to appear. All right. I'm going to just take a giant leap here. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put all this together in my mind. Mm-hmm. Here come crop circles... Here come what appear to be messages, headers, the beginning of a message, uh, the promise of some words, a comma, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. It doesn't, it disappears. Various hints that would point toward what these messages were trying to say. 
appear on satellites and then suddenly disappear. I mean, is this all headed down toward uh, somebody else figured the message out and didn't want the last part of it to get here and so ensured that it didn't? Is that where we're going here? Yes. Who do you think figured it out? Whoever can afford to fly an Apache attack helicopter. Well, let's see. Who would that be? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I want to ask you something. How does a CNN Science Features news producer get from CNN totally mainstream, albeit interesting science news, to what you're talking about right now? Well, I got the DSL connection back in 99 and was just giving it a test spin and decided to... Uh, go for sites that would be colorful and not well-designed. and uh -huh. So I was looking for prophecy sites, came across Millennium Group, and they were talking about Comet uh, Lee at the time. And uh, this was, as you recall, the uh, the King of Terror. Sure. And uh, that was the whole thing. Everyone was over in Turkey with the, uh, that whole, uh, the uh, solar eclipse. And I was going through the NASA video feed and saw three objects and uh, the way I saw them was pretty much the way I'd see them as a producer in TV they appeared in the what it, I saw is in the overscan area and when you're looking through a camera you of course you have the line inside that says here inside this line is what you're going to see on the TV at home sure the overscan is outside of that mm-hmm and a professional shooter when they see something in the overscan and it really catches their attention, they go to it like a bird dog. And so what happened was the shooter saw something in the overscan and went to it. And that's what caught my attention. So then I did a frame-by-frame -frame analysis, and I found three objects which I labeled A, B, and C. Uh -huh. Now, with the help of imagery from the Mir space station that was taken by a French astronaut, we were able to eliminate two of those objects one being a rocket booster, and the other one being a low-Earth satellite, probably a cell site. Okay. However, the third one, Object B, was in fact a comet. It was you know, something that there was no other way to explain it. Uh, it had all the characteristics of a comet, where it had the coma around the head, the horseshoe-shaped coma, and there was... It, there was nothing in the star charts that matched up with it. So at that point, there was something that did appear during that solar eclipse. And from there, it just was, I got hooked and started liking this type of science and stayed with it. And so here you are. Um, if you were to take a guess at the message that would have been or could have been or might have been, what do you think was coming? Any clue? Any guess? I have no idea. I believe it would have been a benign message. It would have been one where the intention was good towards mm. us. Well, why go, to, one, why go to a lot of trouble, no matter who you are, to erase a benign message? Well, it's something where this, this particular message, what was curious about it, is that the circumstances of everything happening at the same time. I mean, you, you say here, in the final, final analysis, I believe that we've been denied another important crop circle message uh, as the early season uh, uh, trends in England were showing a build-up to something significant. So here you, you think it's going to be significant, not benign. 
or 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 I guess it could be benign and significant, huh? Well, it was, and I think that the August 9th article that I did with the Crop Circle Key was probably a triggering event in this whole sequence. And the reason why was that I just put it up on the site a day and a half ago, and we are declaring it a contact event. That reoccurring glyph that I had told you about earlier, it caught the attention of a fellow by the name of Matt Rock, who is a Canadian crop circle researcher. Mm-hmm. And he started analyzing it, and he found that that recurring glyph that appeared four times, and on the fourth time was the header of a large message, mm-hmm. was actually a formation of stars in the constellation Pisces. And we have published that on the site. So the August 9th interpretation that I put up, while I didn't know it at the time, basically I had found that part of the header message that said this is where the signal is going to be coming from or where the formation, whatever's, whoever the sender of the message is. So then you think the message is coming from? Constellation Pisces. The Constellation Pisces. The Constellation Pisces. Marshall, um, I always ask everybody when I talk to them about crop circles uh, this question. It's one of the biggest mysteries, without a question, that the world has, un- really unsolved. Um, wh- what do you think crop circles you, you think they're messages, but toward what end? Are we being warned? Are we, uh, I mean, why toy with us in this manner? If you're going to say something, why not just lay it out and say it? Why, why these sort of subtle um, things you have to wonder about? Well, I don't really expect an actual answer to the question. I, mean, I just ask everybody, why? Well, why? yeah, it's, well, enough the great question. And let's look at the circumstances of, contact denied here. In other words, we have crop circles. Now, up to this point, up to this season, this has been something that's kind of an oddity. People think about it or they don't think about it. They don't think about it seriously. Right. But crop circles and ufology have been gaining momentum. And this time, there's a lot of documented research. There's a lot of people out there researching these things, and the phenomena is real. When you start getting into crop circle technology and you start looking at blown nodes and expanded nodes and how the oh I know woven. I, I'm ever so well aware as I think most of our audience is of the uh, the technical work that's been done and the fact that you know a couple guys with boards and chains haven't done this it's re- it really is a genuine phenomena whether it's of and from this earth or of and by someone beyond it. It's a genuine phenomena. It's not just guys with boards and chains. It's a serious mystery, and there probably is a message there. The important thing we need to know is uh, whether it's a warning or... Uh, I once had someone say it's, it, they're, they're markers for time travelers. I mean, they could be a million different things, and we never quite nail it down. Well, it's whatever you want. You know, people read whatever a lot into it. it. <laughs> I, I look at these things from a standpoint of... You know, a WYSIWYG kind of outlook. What huh. you see is what you get. I'm not interested in trying to relate this to some old mythology. I'm saying, look, if you're going to send a message across a galaxy, yes, you're going to be talking in things that people can grasp. You're going to be talking in scientific terms. You're going to be conveying logical thoughts. 
We're not going to be getting into mysticism. But if somebody sends me a message and the only message is believe, oh my, what am I to believe? We'll be right back. on the internet. This is Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Filling in for George, tonight's special guest host is Art Bell. To talk with Art, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. East of the Rockies, call 800-825-5033. And west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. Here I am. I find this music very mysterious and reassuring. (laughs) My guest is Marshall Masters. He worked for CNN, but not now. He's into crop circles, and he wrote... Despite the fact that he, he said he didn't really have any thoughts on what it was all about, he wrote following, in the final analysis, I believe that we've been denied another important crop circle message as the early season trends in England were showing a build-up to something significant. What could that message have been? Who knows? But whoever they were, I do not believe they simply wanted to ask us, so how's the weather? Rather, I think perhaps they may have wanted to explain the why of our intemperate weather, which, by the way, claimed over 11,000 heat deaths in France as well as a lot more. 
So in a moment, we'll specifically ask about this. For the last several years, I've been uh, absolutely convinced that our weather is undergoing a profound change. I don't wonder about it anymore. I know it is. And um, obviously, Marshall, you had some reason to believe that the weather or the changes in it or what's going on right now may have been um, some part of the message. Is that correct? Well, it could be. You know, we when we left out the last time, you mentioned the word believe. Mm-hmm. I want to come right back to that. Let's do it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when the right now on the internet, the big translation of that nineteen or that two thousand two crabwood formation was, "Beware the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises. Much pain, but still time. Damaged word. There is good out there. We oppose deception. Conduit closing. Bell sound. However, when we did a detailed analysis, and that was more." Maurice Osborne did that with his video, stepped it through it, and he had the binary code based on the Arecibo message, yes. originally been sent by Carl Sagan. Now, in that original Earth Files translation where it said damaged word, was the word believe. Where it was bell sound, it was a comma. Disinformation always starts with truth, and then you just change it enough to send people down a rabbit hole. Well, sure, otherwise people don't believe that's right <laughs> and in this case what we have is much pain but still time believe there is good out there so the key to this message is that they're trying to tell us that in a sense have faith there's good out there you're not alone you never have been alone you never will be alone you know, the only part of that that uh, has ever bothered me is uh, it implies that someone's going to come save our ass from something terrible. And I don't know if I want or wish to believe that because uh, if something catastrophic does occur, I think that uh, if we're relying or hoping that somebody will come swooping down out of the sky to save our butts, uh, I, you know, then we're liable to sit on our butts. And I've, I've always been concerned about that. Well, I think it's, I, it's the same here. If they're going to help, then you know, if you're going to help us, help us to help ourselves. Uh, the, you know, we have to be autonomous. We've got to take care of our own shop. I think that that is the thing that really frightens government the most when they look at this whole phenomena. If you have an extraterrestrial race making contact or going through problems, people are going to say, "Hey, these guys got better technology. Mm-hmm. We'll listen to them." We stop listening to our government. We stop listening to our government. Yes. Chaos. Yes. Okay, yes. You say growing public awareness and acceptance of UFO and crop circle phenomena are a threat to governments at large. The likely concern may have been that a contact event would be socially destabilizing and lead to global panic and strife as citizens place greater credibility in the extraterrestrial messages than those of their own governments. Yes. And then you are also going to have the people who just do not handle the news all that well. Lots of those. They're going to project their worst fears into it, and they will become dangerous, and they will become destabilizing. Mm-hmm. Look what a handful of guys did on you know, September 11th. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take many you know, people to go off, do something totally insane, and look at the people that they're going to hurt as nothing more than statistics to prove their point. 
And so I think governments have, in this case, it's a double-barreled shotgun that they're looking down, you know, that they're looking at. Uh, on one hand, they lose credibility because people start listening elsewhere for, you know, messages. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, they're going to have people that are not going to deal very well with it. So the chaos and the panic thing is something that right, you know, rightfully concerns them. There have been studies, as I'm sure you are well aware, uh, with regarding with regard to first contact or how people would react to contact. Brooks, um, uh, Brookings did that, and um, you know it, it didn't come out well. I mean, it did suggest that people would not handle it well, or enough of them would not handle it well, that there would be resulting panic and I don't know, raping, pillaging, whatever. Um, so you think that I've asked a lot of people about this. Do you think that is still in place that that psychology? Well, it's it's something where you rip the blinders off of people. The, you know? the governments still believe that 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 uh, it would move them to erase or prevent a message from laying, uh, being laid down that that would begin that process they're so afraid of. Well, let me relate to the kind of mail that I'm getting, all right? Because this has been generating a ton of email that's come to me, and. It's been surprising. Yes, I get the occasional, yes, I'm, I'm channeling Lord Zuba from the outer reticular or whatever, uh -huh. and I get a few of those. Uh -huh. I get the ones, uh, I don't ever want to talk to you again. <laughs> I get the ones that go absolutely crazy, the ones that quote me Bible, and so forth. And I just look at it, you know, they're all just denial and negative messages. But for every one of those I get, I'm getting 11 really great positive messages. And they range from attaboys to very well-crafted intellectual messages. I'm getting people from all over the world, from Geneva, Australia, England. Mm -hmm. These are articulate, intelligent, educated people who have been looking at this and thinking about it, and now they're coming forward and they want to talk about it. And so is there going to be this huge mass panic when we make contact? No, I don't think it's going to be another war of the worlds kind of situation. I think we're a more sophisticated population. Um, maybe. Maybe. I think that for a lot of people, there's going to be some confusion. They'll be numb about it. But if I look at the small percentages of people that I'm getting these really terrible reactions, uh, you know, to the articles that I'm publishing, and if I were, quote-unquote, a government, I would be looking at those with concern because I could see those people as becoming problemsome, uh, not being able to come to grips with this whole new change in their life, uh, seeing their belief systems taken apart. I think in the mainstream, there are a lot of us that'll you know will be a little numb, will wander through it, but I think that we are far more sophisticated now than we give ourselves credit for. But there still remains a small percentage of the population that is very worrisome. There are, uh, of those who write of UFOs and extraterrestrials and the things that we don't fully understand now, uh, about 90% uh, you know, write positively. I mean, they're optimistic. They think this will all be a good thing. And then there are a few who aren't as sure. And uh, to them, this might be a bad thing. It might be evil. It might be that whoever they are, they will have negative... Um, uh, what's the right word? 
Yeah, they'll be exploitive. Um, without, uh, yeah, something short of coming down and eating us, you know, I mean, uh, but not good. Not good. Well, first off, if anyone lands and they come out and they say, take me to your leader, no. their brains before they eat your brains. Because what they're saying is, take me to whoever controls you. I want to control you through them. But I really wrestled with this philosophically and looked at the situation. I said, well, let's just imagine we're a humpback whale swimming along the coastline of California, and there's three ships in the water around us. Mm. One ship has got a bunch of folks with cameras, and they're taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And another boat has got a, uh, you know, uh, they've got a gun show. You know, they want to shoot a harpoon through it. It's an obvious whaler, yeah. Obvious whaler. And then there's a third ship, and they're trying to put themselves between you and the whaler and putting themselves at risk. Hmm. The Greenpeace guys. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we have evolved. If you think about the slaughter we conducted on whales at one time, we've come a long way to stewardship and mentorship. And so I'm projecting that outwards into the races that we would meet and say, you know, there are the, uh, they're the whale hunters. And then there are the ones that just want to watch, and there are the ones that want to help protect us from the whale hunters. And so it's not going to be a clear black and white world out there. We're going to come into contact with other races. And so we have to be able to stand on our own two feet and make some pretty hard decisions about who we're going to associate with, who we're going to form a dialogue. And I think that the number one most important rule we have to take and put this in front of everything that we do. So we have to say, do you respect our free will? In other words, is no, no. If we say no, do you respect it? <laughs> and if you don't, then we're dealing with an exploitive race. And we've got a problem. And we need to deal well, with Well, all right. Maybe in a way we just said no. I mean, if some government, British or American or whatever prevented the laying down of a very important message, then in a way, we just said no to them. Or I would come back with this. The first contact has been by exploiters, the ones that say, take me to your leader because I want to exploit you through your leadership. And so really what's happening is that the parenting or the mentoring race is trying to contact us in a benevolent manner outside of the government because there's already been contact by the exploiters within the government. Mm -hmm. That's another equal, you know, it's, it's another way to look at it. Yeah, it's a possibility. But I, I sort of give equal weight to the we're nice guys and look out, they might not be such nice guys. Uh, I, I've seen nothing... Uh, so far to absolutely put me on either side of that. I, I just, you know, it seems innocuous on the on the one side, but then again, something that's really good and going to get you and bite you in the butt at the end would sound that way in the beginning, wouldn't it? Well. They're not going to lay down messages, messages saying, you die soon, or something like that. <laughs> right? They're not going to tip their hand. They're going to come at us easily and try to get followers and believers. Well, they're going to say that, but, you know, when I looked at the, the message and the Crabwood 2002 message and the word believe, mm -hmm. keep in mind, you go to church on Sunday and how many times do you hear from the pulpit? Lots of believe. times. Believe. Oh, lots of times. It's, it's a matter of faith. All mm -hmm. right, and perhaps that's a message that says, 
you know, human beings don't have a corner on spirituality, right? And so they're getting that across, but also it's maybe it's encouragement, saying, look, you're going through a tough time. If you look at aboriginals and the Hopis, you know, they talk about the ant people coming back to help us again. And so there is this deep time history background, if you look at, especially in the aboriginal history, where after a terrible tribulation for the planet, uh, creatures did come from space and helped us to get back on our feet. They helped us to help ourselves. And actually in modern day prophecy, from what I'm reading from like sites from Vovoka, they're saying the same thing's going to happen again. That we're going to hit the wall, our civilization's going to collapse, and they're going to come back and help us to help ourselves and get back on our feet. Huh. So I, we can we can sit here and project our fears, or we can just simply trust our own instincts to meet them head on, one on one. Not be you know not that we would provoke, but it's. In, a, in essence, you listen with your eyes. You see what they do. Not so much as what they say, but you see what they do. Uh-huh. The, and it's, the, the crop circles that halted in Great Britain, uh, do you believe they just halted or were stopped? They were stopped. They were stopped. They were blocked. Not just one, but all the ones that would have come. That's right, because formations continued in other countries around the world. Indeed. But the most advanced ones uh, have always been in Britain or in that area. Yes, and I believe it's because England is specifically conducive to the formations of sophisticated crop circles. Uh, they tend to form over England's, uh, England has a very large aquifer system, and these are very old farmlands, and it's just like, you know, if you're a photographer and uh, you have a choice between Kodak film or something that they're using in China, you go for the Kodak film. Mm-hmm. All right. And so it's the same difference here. I think England is... Is the Kodak. It's the Kodak. <laughs> um, so you're, you're pretty much of an optimist then about all of this, really, aren't you? Yes. I feel that altogether we're going through an evolutionary event. I think we're moving forward. Not that evolution is not uh, particularly a messy thing from time to time. It is. Birth is uh, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, um, and it gets messy. But yeah, well, but that, that word covers a lot of territory. I mean, a lot of uh, a awful lot of people I've talked to, like yourself, feel that um, there's an evolutionary event coming. Well, most evolution is propelled by disaster, by catastrophe by things and rocks falling from the sky and dinosaurs disappearing and humans uh, arriving. You know, most evolutionary leaps are propelled by some gigantic event. Yes. And, yes. and, and the optimists that I listen to, like yourself, tend to think these, uh, or sort of gloss over these events, uh, saying, well, you know, everything is going to be a wonderful future. Yes, there's going to be a little rough spot there, but then, you know, We'll get over that. Uh, well, in that little rough spot, millions or even billions die. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah, yes, it sounds cold and callous, but the question is, is what's better, that we persevere, evolve, become better, or we just become another layer in the fossil record? 
and uh, some other species winds up digging us out of the ground like we're digging up the dinosaurs. Tomorrow's premium gas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm unleaded myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to continue your um, your monitoring of this situation. There's no way, obviously, to get the messages that were either erased or prevented. So we're going to have to wonder what would have been said. Yes, and also I'm concerned that uh, there won't be another crop circle season in England next year. You think it may have stopped or be prevented henceforth? I think that this year, uh, the reaction, from what I'm seeing in the analysis, the reaction was sloppy. It was ad hoc. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, quick bat in the hatch and kind of a thing. Then, And it may be all over then, huh? And it may be all over. I think next season it'll be, they just, it's not going to happen or happen the way we would hope it. It's going to be very slickly engineered out. Marshall, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, there you have it. Somebody who thinks that's it. Messages are over. Done with. Now we're on our own for whatever's coming. And September 6th will be an interesting day to watch and monitor anyway. I'm Art Bell. We'll be right back. presents Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And now, filling in for George, here's special guest host, Art Bell. This hour, we're going to, as I said, toss open the unscreened dimensional portals and see what hops through. It'll be fun. Anything goes. You know the telephone numbers, or you should anyway. They are a little different when I am here. Filling in for... uh, for George, who I hope is having a couple of very restful days off uh, along with the weekend. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, quickly in the news, before we do jump in, our president will address the nation Sunday night, tomorrow night about uh, Iraq, amid growing U.S. casualties and criticism about his handling the war against terrorism. Last time he made such a speech uh, was back on May 1st when he landed on the deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln, you recall that, and declared that major combat operations in Iraq have ended. Since then, more have died than during the war. The most powerful hurricane to hit Bermuda in 50 years went slamming into the island chain Friday. Winds of about 120 miles an hour 
what you would expect, palm trees going down, power out, that sort of thing. That island has traditionally uh, been kind of like a island of steel in resisting hurricanes. We'll see how they do with this one. I hope well. The FBI has issued a worldwide alert Friday for four men linked to al-Qaeda, including a suspected terror cell leader and an avowed suicide attacker after new intelligence indicates they might be plotting attacks against the U.S. They base this, of course, on increased uh, chatter and that sort of thing, but, there, you know, there's been a lot of that. All right, so we're going into open lines in a moment here. Oh, oh, I do want to mention there is a really good new TV show that I bet a lot you don't, a lot of you out there have no idea about. It's on Showtime, and it's called Dead Like Me. And there's a little uh, act, uh, cute little actress in there who does that, uh, named uh, I think Ellen Muth is her name, and she uh, she's really incredible. She's sort of a pouty little. Um, I think she was an 18-year-old who was walking along one day, and a re-entering Russian toilet seat took her out big time. And then she got turned into a reaper, and she has to go and take the souls of other people who are going to die violently. And it's a pretty cool show, really. It's, it's you know, sort of half serious, half comedy, the kind of thing I like, and you might too. Uh, sort of, uh, well, I don't know, mysterious and reassuring. <laughs> By the way, uh, I just received this, and I, I'm hesitant to even read it, and I don't know why I'm going to. It comes from an anonymous source who uh, beseeches me to delete the email as soon as possible should I decide to read it on the air. And uh, this may be pure, you know, baloney, total crap. But this person writes art. I have it by a very reliable source that the accident, in quotes, at Disneyland today is being treated by the Anon police as a crime scene. Now, that just may be his interpretation of it, but he claims to have this from a reliable source, and I have nothing more, totally nothing more, on it uh, than that. And so I, I have really, although you would certainly think they would check out that aspect of it anyway, wouldn't you? All right, this is going to be an open lines, unscreened, unprotected, look out, build in, because who the heck knows what's going to happen kind of show, and here we go. First time caller line, you're on the air with Art Bell at Coast to Coast AM and all that stuff. Hi. Hello, am I on the air? You are indeed. Uh, I was wondering... Um, where Where are you? Out of oh, Paris? in Detroit. Detroit, ah, Detroit, mm -hmm. all right. I, was one, I wanted to ask you about uh, what Father Malachi Martin thought about extraterrestrials. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting question. What Father Malachi thought? Well, um, I think like most religious people, and he was very much so, uh, very religious, of course, and I think he thought that they were probably evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he, did he say which governments knew about them? Uh, no, although he did say that governments did know about them. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Uh, you're very welcome. Take care. Yes, Father Martin. Wonder how he's doing. Probably got a real good place up there, I'd say, wouldn't you? And you, that, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, like, for example, in the last hour, and we were having a discussion about whether these beings, uh, these message givers, may be uh, good guys or bad guys. I'm not sure. I'm really, you know, right there on the fence about that. 
I have no idea. They could as easily be one as the other. Do I think there really is intervention going on in the form of messaging or something? Uh, certainly all the sightings, oh yes, uh, indeed I do. But, but I'm very open-minded about what it all is just yet. Um, Wildcard Line, you are on the air. Good morning. Art, hi. Howdy. My name is Lito. I'm calling from Sacramento. Yes, sir. I must say, Art, you are still the true Mac Daddy of talk radio. <laughs> we we appreciate you so much. Um, Art, about 10 years ago, yes. in 93, and this is way before The Matrix came out, you're my Morpheus. Uh, you convinced me to take the red pill, my friend. And when I did, I, I my mind just really opened to the things that... Um, you expose on your on your on your radio program. Was it a psychedelic psychedelic um, red pill? Uh, well, concerning prophecy, I've always been a, a, a church going man. My my family were church goers. Uh, my my grandfather was a Pentecostal minister. Well, Bible's full of prophecy. Well, I could only see it from one point of view though. But mm. you helped me get into reality. Um, one of your first guests was the gentleman who wrote the book. I think it was Chariot of the Gods. Oh yes. I heard that interview in '93, and it just woke me up. I'm saying to myself, these people. There are people out there who see things that are going on, and it's coming from so many different point of views. Art, I'm telling you, the veil is, is coming down quickly. Oh, I know. Um, uh, whether it's um, uh, Native Americans, uh, yeah. w- whether it's uh, people who just are claimed to be prophets or people who have visions, and I've talked to the best of them, there is a central core of similarity to all of their messages, and that's what I find yeah. most intriguing. Either they're all listening to each other, which I sort of doubt, or... There really is a central message coming through to a lot of people. What bothers me, Art, is, and maybe you can see this too, and we will definitely find out where our president stands this Sunday, but the American people, not just the American people, the people of the world, the crop circle phenomenon does bother me. When you see something like that just ending, and a gentleman comes on saying, that is it, it kind of tells you that's a signal. Either that or the the message ended and we we didn't get the last graph, you know. um, Art, I think the next message is not going to be so much a message it's just going to be this is it hmm. those who don't want to wake well, up well alright then let me try it out on you uh, this is it this is what in other words are we facing something benevolent and good here to help us through some whatever or are we facing somebody who wants our kidneys you know something Art you know uh, separating the wheat from the tares it's like you're going to be on one side or the other and what side that is, I, don't, I can't explain what the sides are. But as humans, we are either going to take that next step or you're not. And the ones who don't want to take that next next step, mm. see ya. <laughs> I don't know how we separate everybody, but it's going to be a separation of those who really want to reach out and involve themselves in creating something better than what we have here or those who just want to, the status quo. And I'm not with the status quo. I know there's something more. And I'm going to keep on reaching, and I'm going to thank you for enabling me to know that there are others doing the same thing. So keep on doing it, brother, and I hope you were back full time. I love George, <laughs> but I'd love to hear you I, at least two I, nights a week. I appreciate the word, sir. Thank, thank you very you much, are. and uh, take care. So you'll either be above, among the saved or the eaten. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Well, it figures, Mr. Bell. No, just a, just a little tribute to J.C. there. Hey, uh, <laughs> I thought for a second. Yeah. Art, uh, and I'm not, we must say that this show is a mover and shaker because after last night's show, suddenly the president wants to talk to the nation about the war in Iraq. Oh, I yeah, what a coincidence, cool. huh? I, 
I don't know if there's any tie in there, but George says there's no coincidences. Oh, yeah. Also, sir, uh, you know, I think the biggest experiment we ever did on um, introducing the nation to the truth about UFOs was the Orson Welles show. That show that they did way back that the whole country freaked out. Yes. And I'd like to think... That yeah, I mean, you're really right. The only real experiment in that area we've had... Well, there have been a couple, but the biggest one was certainly Orson Welles. No question about it. Now, let's think about that. How do people react? They're eating people in New Jersey. Uh-huh. Well, people went berserk, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the only real mass uh, psychological Rorschach test we have for what people might do, and it didn't turn out so well, did it? But I'd like to think that we've matured since then, because if 911 and the blackouts don't tell us that we've matured, I really believe it does because there was calm, even though there was there was some chaos. Basically, the nation took it pretty well, and that could have been the beginning of the end right then. Either one of those, and I think that the nation proved right then that we can handle more than we could way back then. You make a really good point. If two things would equal, hey, we might now be able to handle it, and maybe Brookings is history and what was thought then is history, it might be 9-11 and the blackouts, and we did handle those extraordinarily well, didn't we? Yes, we did. So maybe you're right. Maybe we are ready, and maybe the fact that we're ready means it's about to happen. Great, Art. And, and <laughs> JC, if you get a chance, call in. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, you have a good one, too. Oh, by the way, Hey, do you remember Mel's Hole? <laughs> How many of you remember Mel's Hole? After the whole Mel's Hole thing, somebody in humor, this is in humor, sent me this really funny sound. I have spent a long time laughing at this sound. It is, supposedly, the sound of a cat being, without ceremony, tossed into Mel's Hole. And you just, you gotta listen to the sound, and then there's this second sound when the cat presumably gets down, you know, five or six thousand yards or something into the well. And there's this second little pathetic sound. Listen carefully, here we go. Cat into Mel's well. Oh. There he goes. Now listen. <laughs> People will inevitably <laughs> send me email. Oh, that's so cruel. How could you put that on the air? Let's throw them in one more time. <laughs> it's the second sound that gets me every time. Anyway, I just happened to find that earlier tonight. You're on the air, coast-to-coast uh, -coast AM on the uh, west of the Rockies line. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, yes, Art. Um, I'm, I don't know where to begin other than... Uh, At the beginning, uh, sir. Pardon? At the beginning. Okay. Um, I live in San Francisco and um, in the inner city, and it drives me crazy. And to get away from it all and to meditate, I like to go at the beach at night and look at the stars. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night, I went. It was just turning dusk. Uh, and I have a certain method of signaling. I says I'm going to make contact somehow tonight. I you're don't know trying. How, you're wait a minute. You're out there trying to contact extra, extraterrestrials. Right. Uh, and, and I have I have my own unique method. I am not going to reveal to coast to coast land because I don't Why want your, your vast audience to be aping my own special way of getting in touch with the space brethren. Well, darn. Okay. So the first night I I I, uh, I used my signaling method. Overhead came, just as dusk came, a huge circular craft, um, massive in size, hovered, 
silently above my head for about three minutes okay. and moved uh, landbound. So right. I stayed on the beach, kept signaling, uh, not, nothing. Uh, as darkness fell, a very strange thing. I'm flashing my light on the shoreline. I saw. Uh huh. You just told us. So you, it's a light, a flashing oh, light man. you're using. God, am I stupid? Huh. God, I just. Well, you know that's stuff. not new. I mean, look, uh, there are a number of, uh, really, are a number of organizations that uh, try to make contact using a flashing light. Uh, okay. Doctor Greer's organization, right. for okay. example. So All right. Okay. All right. The cat's out of the bag. At any rate. All right. Um, so I'm flashing my light on on the beach. I see a penguin, an Arctic penguin in San Francisco. I thought it was a shorebird with a broken wing. I look at it. It's a penguin. It swims out to the water like a penguin does mm. and does its penguin thing. I said, wow. Okay, so that's that's two very strange anomalies in one night. Why would you imagine an Arctic penguin would be there? I've talked to friends. They said maybe it escaped from the zoo ah, or yes. maybe it's earth changes like that guy wrote about... Uh, what was it called? Uh, that uh, coming global superstorm. You know that guy with the other guy. That guy with the other guy. Yeah. Sure. Right. I At any that. rate. Yep. So I, I I come home and try to digest because I, I wasn't sleeping well. I go down to the beach to get the salt air to relax. Yeah. You yes. know. Yes. So I figure I'll, I'll try to get a couple hours sleep. Come back the next night. Next night, okay. Beautiful. Uh, go down there at dusk. Beautiful sunset on the beach. Start my signaling process. I, I hope, by the way, you were using a C-Crane LED light. Yeah, 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 sure. I'm going to pay 80 bucks for a flashlight. At any rate, no, it's a great, they have great products. I just am on a budget. All and right, I, so here you are. Signal so here again. I am yeah. on the beach, okay? Uh, very busy beach day on a Sunday. Everybody's there. I says, well, you know, i got to get far and away from people if I'm going to make contact. Right. Maybe they'll take me away to a better better world. Who knows? Because mm. I, I, I knew there was something benevolent about a circle. You know, life is a circle. Circular-shaped craft, this has got to be good. So I'm signaling, signaling, signaling. Five minutes, there it is, okay? What? There what see, is? I see the pattern of lights, okay? Okay. It's circular. Yes. All right? Now, don't ask me how, but I know I'm in telepathic contact. And ever since this has happened, I've had, like, uh... All right, well, like, I, I know it's very important to understand. Right, hold it, sir. What did they tell you if you were in contact? What was? What the... did they tell me? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, uh, uh, it, well, I had to make it down to the beach, way, way far away, about four miles towards Pacifica, Delhi City, uh, to, to get far away from people. So I'm walking, exhausted. Uh, I took a nap, right? As the, there were three crafts, hover, you know, following me, and I knew I was going to make contact. So, uh, you know, I was right. waiting. In the interest of time, try right. and answer my question. What did they tell you? Okay. All right. I'll cut right to the chase. Good. When I woke up, came back, they were there, fires signaling. Okay. They they were speaking in a language that that I didn't didn't know but I understood. All right, fine. Uh, which was come with us, come along with us, be with us. Yeah. And I was very 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 scared. Why? I mean, I, this is what you wanted. Because I saw I I I fully saw their craft. It was huge, triangular, red, glowing like the sun. Three, uh, but you I, went down there for this reason. You wanted contact, and so now you've right, got it. Right. Now you're but scared. This was not the being I saw. This was not the ship that I saw the night before. This was triangular. The night before, it was circular. You understand? Okay. Now a triangle. Uh, that 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 means yield. The circle is life. 
Um, I, I firmly know and believe this: that we are visited, being visited by multitudes of race races. They are they are very interested in the goings on of Earth. So why did you good? Why why didn't you go? Why didn't I go? Yes, because. Uh, um, these I got a very, I got a, the impression that these beings were not benevolent at all. That they were they were malignant, uh, and gotcha. that they wanted to use me for some kind of like like what Whitley went through, or some kind of island of Doctor Moreau type of a human experimental animal thing, or gotcha. God knows what else. Oh, and, sure. uh, um, uh, you felt you would have been probably have been you, you felt you you felt you might have been cut up, mutilated, and otherwise spindled. Exactly, exactly. But I know, I know deep in my heart that there is, there is a good, there are good, um, benevolent races out there which I will make, which I will make contact with, which I will go with. But well, the truth um, of the matter, sir, is when you, you, gotta, you, when, gotta you when you when you when you when you flash that flashlight, you don't know what's going to come. No, no. But I know how to identify them, and I know I have perception and intuition. So you think that the guys in the triangular craft are not our friends? Guys the, the, and gals. Well, okay, guys and gals. And, and the, they, the ones that clear because but I, the, but the, the ones final in the, contact was with a woman. Wait a minute! This is oh, really? Yes, really. A woman? She had she had a, a, a she had, she was very zoptic, shapely, um, uh, you know, like like a bombshell figure. Uh, with a, it was at night. But I could make out her figure, uh, and she was wearing a, lo a gown, like a Stevie Nicks kind of robish gown. Huh. She had dark, dark hair, long huh. hair, but I could not see her face, and she was flashing a light like, like what was on the ship. So you, you know? somehow she, she spoke, have, you have, you have even resisted the Stevie Nicks of extraterrestrials and walked away from it, right? I, all right. I was running along silently on the beach because I knew that I did not want to embark on this. Um, and all, all they heard were my keys, my keys dangling. Well, I had the flashlight How do I know you weren't just... chasing Stevie? Pardon? How do I know you weren't chasing Stevie down no, the beach? It wasn't, no, it wasn't Stevie that was on my mind. It was a different woman who, uh, from way back when, I've been carrying a torch for. Who fits that description? Well, listen, I'm afraid. Ago. I'm afraid this torch has got to go out. I appreciate the whatever it was you just gave us. What do you think? Was that a real contact story, folks?
Coast to Coast and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Filling in for George, tonight's special guest host is Art Bell. To talk with Art, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. East of the Rockies, call 800-825-5033. And west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. I begin to sense the possibility of a contact night. Is that what it's going to be about, is contact? If so, then let it be. Good morning, everybody. Open lines. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. A recently seen bumper sticker, Eagles May Soar. But weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. On our international line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Um, it's Jeff from the UK. I was just uh, going to point out that in 1995, there was a Tichborne formation which showed a planetary alignment. Now, because these things are pretty predictable as to dates-wise, it was interesting that this alignment actually pointed to a specific date of September the 6th, 2003. That's right. Uh, So you're obviously, uh, not only are you up on all this, but you are there in Great Britain. So uh, a couple of questions for you here. Why do you think that all of a sudden these messages have either stopped or been stopped? Well, I mean, I I do recall, I mean, there was a time I visited Silky Hill, and uh, I was just looking around the fields, and I could see that uh, there was one field with a little square that had been ploughed out. Mm. It's pretty obvious what happened there. And uh, uh, I suppose some of the farmers are doing it for innocent reasons, but there's enough in that area to say that if they stop altogether, um, if, if you're talking about any human hoaxed ones, well, then... They wouldn't all stop at one go, would they? Well, since all the messages appear there in Great Britain, maybe the message is about Great Britain. Has that occurred to you? Mm, well, I mean, I, I mean, I have heard the counterclaim. They say that because, uh, like, uh, Lyndon Mohan was um, was uh, an Apache helicopter or something in the air. They're saying mm, that they're right. patrolling air. Well, right. I haven't seen anything around there. But then I'm in a slightly different part of the UK. Yes, but maybe uh, whatever it is that's going to happen is going to happen in the UK. That's what I'm Could pointing be. out. I mean, yeah. uh, certainly we've got the history and uh, we've got the geography to make it an interesting place to start, I suppose. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for the call all the way from uh, across the ocean there. And it is it is certainly odd that they've all either stopped or been stopped. Either way, there's got to be a pretty good-sized message there. A big curiosity, I would say. Maybe you just want to comment on why you think they've either stopped or been stopped. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. This is Steve from Portland, Oregon. Hello, Long Steve. time. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Long time listener. Um, and I'm uh, just kind of curious, a little bit different subject here. Is I'm just kind of curious as what you've been doing with your uh, retirement. Hmm. I'm sure the world is uh, curious to what you've been up to. Well, I gave so, a, you know, a few clues about that last night. I mean, I stay radio-oriented. You know, uh, Ramona and myself have a radio station here in Prompt, Nevada. That requires no minor amount of attention. Uh, I have ham radio, and I have... Radio, radio, radio. So, you know, that and basket weaving. I don't know. <laughs> the baskets, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like the baskets, too. So uh, you don't have a website anymore, though. Well, 
I kind of keep us supposed to. You know, I look. I do have a People website. People that aren't in Pahrump, we have but, a hard time. But you, you know. you've got to understand that um, I have no desire to see it wiped out, destroyed, and otherwise uh, mauled. So. Rather than give it out on the air, um, I, I'm not going <laughs> to. Probably find it easy enough to. Anyways, okay, Art, well, we all miss you, and we hope that you come back and visit us very, you know, as often as you can. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Take care. Um, you know, there are some, some websites that I have an interest in or, or whatever, but you have to understand that we have killed on this program, I mean, the number of notches, in coast to coast, we've killed website uh, uh, posts are pretty pretty long, and so I have to be very careful about URLs I give out. You're on the air, coast to coast AM on the wild card line. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm from Texas, and uh, it's nice to hear your voice again. Why, thank you. And uh, I just want to make some comments about uh, tonight's guest caller. I mean, the, the guy you had interviewed earlier. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Sure. And... Uh, I think that I would probably fall in line with one of those individuals who'd probably, you know, be found in the fossil record, unfortunately. In other words, you don't think you're going to make it through the change, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Like I said, it all depends on where I'm at on planet Earth or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I tend to be, I'm, I'm coming from the other side of the fence, from the metaphysical New Age uh, over to the Christian bent, except with a retro twist. You know, I'm, I've, I'm, you know, uh, you're, I, you're, a, you're a Christian with a retro twist? Well, I look at the UFO enigma phenomenon and all that with a little bit of a different, you know, a, a different point of view than the other JC. Okay, what, what, what is your point of view? Well, you know, I believe that it's a real phenomenon. They exist and there are beings that exist out there, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't just go you know, quietly into the night and, and embrace, totally embrace them uh, if they're so advanced and, well, technologically advanced and otherwise. Then Any more than you'd open all email attachments, right? I mean, exactly. you think before you click. I would tend to believe that uh, they also have the capability of, of manipulating human beings on various different levels. So I could go for that. I, I hear from a lot of them on these lines. It must be difficult to 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 be worth kind of stuck in a certain crux place where we either have to make a, a decision or we don't, and what do we face if we don't make a decision and all that? You know, with it all depends on who who's really looking at the whole. Well, the, you know, there, there's quite a bit of information to indicate that our military actually shoots at UFOs. Now, right. you got to think about that really. I mean, how good of an how good an idea is it to be, uh, you know, <laughs> lighting one off toward one of them? Yeah, uh, I, there's no telling what the what the end result could be about that. Uh, you know, well, I don't want to go. Uh, I recently, though, um, the the last guy that called, or actually the guy that called three three back, he he was talking about his contact experience and everything. Yes, I don't know. If, if what he was saying was true or not, but it it, it sounded what he was saying. It sounded like he had great conviction in his voice. And oh, everything. you bet. And uh, you know, I, I recently saw, uh, I guess you could call it a sighting or whatever. And um, to me, it made me feel like like something, you know, major is really 
it's like everybody else is saying, on the horizon line. You know, it's just... I, I Well, all right, I'm with you all the way. I Once you've seen something, then uh, there are only so many possibilities. I mean, once you have seen, I saw a triangular craft, as everybody well knows, with my wife, and once you've seen something, then there are only so many possibilities. And what I saw wasn't fuzzy, distorted, or otherwise not visible. It was right there. Could have thrown a rock at the thing, you know, that kind of right there. Really close encounters of the some number or another of a kind. And, you know, once you've been down that road, you do cross a threshold. There are then only so many possibilities. And one of the really strong ones is that we are being observed, being worked, being something by somebody. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Mr. Bell. Good morning. Hey. Yeah, I, well, first of all, I, w I would like to say I'm listening to you on AM 1340 WGAU. All right. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. A year ago, I, too, reported a spacecraft right over Athens, Georgia, where I live. I knew this was going to be contact night. All right. <laughs> yes, uh, after, after it swooped down over College Square, just right in the heart of town, it zoomed off just as fast as I looked up at it. Mm -hmm. It didn't, didn't have any lights. I guess I guess those aliens had their lights off so they wouldn't be seen. But Well, whatever it was you saw, is there any doubt in your mind at all that this was a craft from elsewhere? Uh, it appeared to be so with me. Yeah, it it was it was a very it had a very high shine, even fifty feet up in the air. I could see myself in the reflection. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's a very high shine. And uh, I did see myself in the reflection, even though it did zoom off very quickly. Hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering why it didn't have any lights. Probably did, and and they weren't on. So I thought I'd let you know. Well. That's uh, that's a very close contact indeed. I, I appreciate the call and the report. You know, it, it would be so easy to scoff at this kind of thing until you've had the experience yourself. And I have. And and once you have, you're just you're changed uh, forever, and you, it's just you can't scoff at people. You've got to imagine some of these reports may be made up, but not most of them. Most of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, this is Olin in Culver City, California. Hey, Olin. Hi there. Uh, last week, George Nori had an update interview with Robert Felix, the author of the book Not by Fire But by Ice. Ah, yes. He said that the Tutaloo Islands are nine feet above sea level, and they started measuring seawater level and found out that the water level has gone down two and a quarter inches in the last few years. Huh. Now, I, think I don't think I'd want to live on an island named Tutaloo. I mean, it just sounds like, bye, guy. Well, uh, <laughs> it is an uh, odd name. <laughs> Tutaloo. But uh, we've been having heavy rain and heavy snow, and uh, I think that the seawater level is going down because the global warming is evaporating the water into clouds, which are raining down in torrents and flooding land areas that have never been flooded before. Now, Robert Felix said that uh, in the wintertime, the snow will fall to nine feet deep and uh, cover houses. And when people open their garage door in the northeast, 
there'll be a wall of snow there. You know, nothing would surprise me. Based on the weather the world has experienced uh, in the last year or so, nothing coming up this winter would surprise me. I really mean that, nothing, including uh, some sort of disaster in Europe. Well, they, they had terrific floods in Europe uh, this last summer, or in the last uh, half a year, and uh, it's probably uh, the excessive uh, rain and floods is uh, obviously coming from ocean evaporation, and so the ocean levels are going down instead of up. Well, that may be. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. Uh, there is no way that anybody can deny other than you've got your head in the sand and you are in complete denial that we're undergoing a profound change in the weather right now, worldwide, a really profound change. So nothing is going to surprise me. Nothing. I would say the winter could hold a lot of surprises for the world. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, where are you? I am in, my name is Linda and I'm in Springfield, Oregon. Hey, Linda. Um, glad to hear you again. Thank you. Missed you. Have been missing the heck out of you. Thank you. Um, I my blood is doing a slow boil right at the moment. Our wonderful radio station here that carries your the program <gasps> decided to preempt one hour of it. No, evening. no. And yeah. and for what? High school football. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen. Yeah, well, there seems to be a real overdose of testosterone in this area. Well, let me tell you something. I'm a, be careful here now. I'm a football fan, and life has just begun. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I would like very much to, with all my heart, request you to come back on this program full time. Oh, uh, uh, well, thank you. That's a nice wish. Art. Uh, however, yeah. you must remember that um, I left because of my back. And so to do a full five nights a week um, would not be a healthy thing for me. Well, how about three nights a week? Um, Anyway, (laughs) I I appreciate anything else tonight. Well, uh, Have you been contacted, visited, probed, or otherwise met with aliens? uh, Well, Well? I work work for a municipality here. That's the same as working for aliens. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow... Would you, if you would ask Mr. Nouri, or when you talk to him, that if he could keep the program more on point, more on topic? Well, all right. You're not going to come that, back. Okay, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Let me explain to you on the radio about that, all right? The people who actually listen to this program already know what I'm going to say, and there are a lot of casual listeners, and perhaps I'm here uh, just because I happen to be here tonight. All right, this program... In the larger media, you know, whether it's CNN or whether it's whoever's commenting on this program, you know, the program has been stamped as nothing about, uh, but about UFOs and uh, extraterrestrials and spacey things and all the rest of it. But this program is not just that, nor has it ever been just that. This program has taken forays into all kinds of strange areas. Anything that's interesting, not just aliens, though they're very interesting, but anything. And so when something interesting in the medical world comes along, when something interesting in the terrorism world comes along, or something that you know really affects us all, then this program does shows on it. And uh, that's always been the case. People have always sort of stamped this as just one thing, but it's not just one thing. 
So the program will go all over the place. That's just the nature of it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Any other way would be boring. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Turn your radio off, please. Yes, sir. That is something you must do right away. Okay, what is your first name and where are you calling from? This is Jeff calling from Midland, Texas. Hey, Jeff. Listening to you on 550 KCRS. Right. Okay, um, I had a quick comment for you and then two questions. Mm-hmm. First comment is I uh, just wanted to thank you. It's great to hear your voice again. Thank you. And the second thing is I think you made a great choice in George Norrie. Thank you. He's a great guy. Um, okay, first, this goes back a couple of years, but you were you were on the show Millennium. Uh, yes, I was. Okay, I had a, a question about that. First I'm still all. getting residual payments from that. Oh, thousands of dollars. No, you, you want to know the truth? You get these little, like, dollar fifty checks. <laughs> How funny. Oh, okay. The truth. It's the truth. Yeah, I believe you. I and believe they're still you. showing that thing somewhere. <laughs> right. I, I just wanted you to maybe comment about that experience beyond the residual checks. But uh-huh. The experience of it, um, yeah. number one. Yeah. And my second question, I'll listen off the air, uh-huh. is... Um, is there a real Millennium Group beyond the Millennium Group website, but a true group like that? That's my question. You don't think I could answer that and live, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your call. All right, well, the experience of being on Millennium. <laughs> God, I hate television. Uh, I like watching it, but I don't like being on it. And uh, I've always had a kind of a prejudice against television. I don't know why. I Yes, I do, because it's all rehearsed. And uh, it has to be, there are so many takes to get something done. Everything has to be just right. And then, of course, you have to remember your lines, too. And then when you're, you know, you're somebody like me, right, who is spontaneous and doesn't memorize lines, I just come in here and say whatever the hell I want to say, you know, you have trouble remembering lines. And you're nervous anyway, and that contributes to your forgetting lines and cues and all that stuff. So my experience in making Millennium, was cool and fun, but uh, God, I hate television. I really do hate television. This is the medium. We're talking the medium right here. Radio is the real medium. Television is great to watch and terrible to try to be on. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Holy smokes! Am I, I'm on the air. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how I do it. I mean, just cold <laughs> turkey. Sure. <laughs> Mr. R. Bell, gosh, this is a great pleasure to be on the air with you again. Uh, I had an opportunity about uh, seven, eight years ago to be on the air, and I totally blew it. All I could say was just repeat the same thing over and okay, over. Okay, okay. Well, then stop repeating that and start in what you want to say, because we don't have a lot of time coming to the just, top of the hour. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it on really me. Short then. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I have never had an experience with uh, UFOs or been able to see them, although um, I do have... Uh, uh, I, I wish to see a UFO, and um, the thing is that I do dream of them a lot, and um, they're so realistic that I wake up uh, kind of nervous and excited at the same time. Uh, well, there's lots of people who think that uh, in your sleep uh, and when you dream would be an ideal time to affect your mind from afar. You are the most susceptible when you sleep. Correct. Um, well, there's this dream that I wanted to kind of just uh, let uh, share with you. It's going to have to be real fast. Yes, okay. Um, the thing is that, uh, I'll cut it short, um, I was at the edge of this uh, cliff that was nothing but sand, and it was late, late at night, it was nothing but stars out, and I could see um, a bunch of lights coming over the top of the sky. It looked like falling stars, but when I started noticing, it just got completely filled up with uh, nothing but uh, UFOs. Uh-huh. 
and that the middle of all the UFOs, I could see a counter, like uh, you would see a speedometer, and the numbers were just going and going and going and going and going, and then finally they stopped, and they stopped for about five seconds, and I saw 2003. And then the numbers stopped there, and then when they stopped there, then they continued to go again, and they didn't stop again. Well, maybe, been... maybe, maybe, sir, i got to go. But that, that may have been a prophetic dream. Can you imagine looking out and seeing as far as the eye can see nothing but millions of UFOs, the entire Earth being invaded? The entire Earth. That many of them. Wouldn't be time to do anything, would there? We'll be right back. Probably. is Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Filling in for George, tonight's special guest host is Art Bell. To talk with Art, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. East of the Rockies, call 800-825-5033. And west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. If you've had contact, it would be very interesting to hear from you. Indeed. Uh, perhaps we, we should do that, and so that by the next uh, break, we're into contactees. That's a pretty good idea. So if any of you out there have had serious contact... Then yes, um, call any line. Contact night. I kind of like that. We'll be right back. Back into that velvet night. On the international line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is uh, Matt in Moscow. In Moscow? Moscow, Russia. Moscow, Russia. What are you doing in Moscow? 
Well, you know, we live here. We've been here uh, almost two years, and uh, I listened to you on the uh, computer. <laughs> Be darned. And you come in nice and clear because the radio reception isn't very good here, you know. Um, yes, I'm aware of that, and uh, <laughs> then what you do get uh, might not be. Anyway, um, so you listen to us on the computer, and you're all the way over in Moscow, and so what's up? Well, first of all, I want to say uh, I'm calling uh, and saying hello from Fantastic Forum to you, of course. Ah, the pirates, which yes. Which are great friends of ours. And uh, I wanted to say that I have seen something here that was pretty strange last spring. Oh. And I checked in the uh, Davenport uh, website, you know, for sightings, and there's very little that comes out of Russia. You bet. I know. Yeah, but this one was rather strange. It looked like a uh, contrail, and uh, it was last spring, and we saw it uh, in the north of, uh, you know, facing north. And I don't know really what to make of it, so I never reported it well, or anything well, well, like that. Okay, then uh, what, what is it? Um, you say it was like a contrail. Um, yeah. What gives you the idea it was not a contrail? Well, you know how you see uh, you see planes off in the distance, and you can see their contrail. This yes. one had uh, was like a contrail, but I couldn't see any uh, visible plane or such thing. And it traveled rather slowly. It went behind uh, the apartment building, uh, uh, so I didn't see it any longer, and I didn't see it come out the other side or anything like that. But you know. Things like that happen. You never know what it is. Well, maybe it was one of ours. Maybe it was uh, yeah. a spy plane. I mean, we fly those things so high that potentially there could be a contrail produced under the right conditions, but that you wouldn't, you know, it's too far away to see the actual craft producing it. Yeah, but you got to remember, I'm in Russia. There isn't very much that comes over here that's, that isn't detected, and it's certainly not allowed. Well, when I said one of ours, I didn't mean one of yours. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean people? I yeah, I meant I meant it could have been something from our country over here. Yeah. Even though we're well, we're supposedly friends now, we still keep a pretty sharp eye on Moscow. Yeah, and they pretty well know what we're doing, and uh, if we're over here, they pretty well know it. But the other sighting I had was back in 1956 in western Massachusetts, and that was one of those cigar-shaped. Uh, objects in the sky. I lived uh, near Westover Air Force Base in Springfield, Mass. Yes. And uh, that one was one, you know, I was like 12 years old or so, and so uh, I, I had no idea what I was looking at, but it certainly wasn't the usual. And that's probably where I started getting interesting in what, what things are in the sky that how could you not? You know, how can you not? I mean, once you have seen, or even twice you have seen something of that sort, if you're not interested, then your heart's not beaten. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been beating. <laughs> I'm always looking and, you know, I, I would like to make contact. And since that's your topic tonight, you know, I think a lot of us would like to make contact. Well, uh, you're right about that. Thank you very much for the call and the shout-out to the Fantastic Forum, folks. Uh, uh I guess it is about contact. You know, when you just throw you throw the lines open, you really don't know what you're going to get. You do tend to get a pattern, and uh, so far tonight, obviously, that's the pattern. Sightings, contacts. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing, sir. Okay, well, I'm here in Las Vegas, and I was just curious if you knew anything about the brown military, like, Black Hawk-style helicopters that make a pattern of coming in from the northwest and going towards Nellis. Uh, 
Oh, we see them all the time here, sir, and I mean all the time. As you know, I'm just 65 miles to the west of Las Vegas, and uh, middle of the day, any time of day, you'll hear this thump, 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 yes, deep exactly. thump that'll rattle the house. You go out and shoo, here they go. Yeah, there's usually about four to six of them. Yeah, but do I know? Do I know what they're doing? No. Hmm. I don't. I was curious because I, I know I've seen them out towards the Rachel area too. That's why I was wondering if you knew if, is that their new mode of transport? Rachel, of course, being near the infamous Area 51, which is close to here anyway. So we see all this kind of stuff. It's out here, uh, but I have no idea what they're doing. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's great to hear your voice again. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Sure, they're all over the desert out here. You see them all the time. The identifiable and the not-so-easily-identifiable. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, Art. Is it me? It is, though yeah. only you can be certain. Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to put a plug in for your CC radio. I'm listening to you from a station 400 miles away. That's right. Yeah. The CC and... radio can do that. It really can. Oh, it, it's fantastic. Uh, my question that I uh, asked you before was, uh, with the Hubble telescope, um, it's to be said that the Big Bang is around 14 to 15 billion light years That's away? Correct. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, my question is, it takes that long, 14 or 15 billion years, for that light to come back to us, and with the expansion of the universe, I don't know how fast the universe is expanding, so with that equation, actually, how far out would it be now, or how could we find out? Well, it would be that 15 billion years out. Let's take that figure just as an arbitrary figure. It's pretty close. Okay. Um, the light that um, remains, whatever it is, and, you know, they're able to look out at, um, uh, for example, pulsars, which create a very bright light, and there are quite a few of them early on in the creation of the universe. They're out in the order of 15 billion years, and they've seen those, so... Right. Uh, that would be the, the measure of time. The measure of time it takes light to get here. So I guess that's how they know, 15 billion. Oh, so uh, the expansion of the universe has nothing to do with how far out anything is. Well, we even argue about that, whether the universe is expanding or contracting. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. I've heard you say that many times. There's some blue shift, some red shift. I guess the majority opinion would seem to be that it is expanding, and the latest theory is it's expanding uh, without end, that it will continue to expand to the point where here on Earth we won't see the stars anymore because they'll be too far away from us. Yeah, we won't have our own galaxy. That's right. It's going to get mighty lonely here. So that is the uh, the current thinking. Can you imagine that? that eventually everything will move so fast and so far away from every other object that there'll be nothing left to see, except perhaps uh, the immediate planets uh, adjacent to us, and even they will drift. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, I didn't know if I was on. I didn't hear the, uh, the click. I have a newer clickless thing. So ah. you, you don't know. You just have to remember what line you're on. Anyway, what? where are you? I'm over here at Fayetteville, North Carolina. All right. But, um, you know, I haven't, made, um, haven't seen any um, flying saucers, but I do have a circle um, story. A circle story? Yes. It's a very interesting one. Um, 
I was in Abilene, Texas at the time. I was helping sign up a church um, in a YWCA. Mm-hmm. And um, I was as I was setting up the chairs, I felt something said, stop. Now, I didn't hear a voice or anything else. I just felt an impression say, stop. Uh-huh. Get yourself a piece of paper and a pen. Uh-huh. Draw two circles, one above the other. Draw a line connecting the two. Really? Now, here's where it gets interesting. Um, well, it's already interesting. It sounds like crop circle formations, but go mm-hmm. ahead. Put the word God in the in top circle. Put the word you in the bottom. Okay. Now draw lines and circles, you know, little, you know, lines and little circles around you. And I did about six of them. And and the impression was, put the word money in one. No one car. No one your boss. No one your job. Another one, you, you know, you know the things that you know that are very much concerned in your life. Yeah. And then the impression said, doesn't that feel like all those problems are pulling you apart? And I had to say yes, you know, because you know, I had to be. So this was oh. like a disembodied motivational speech, huh? Well, I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit does that. I believe that there's... Um, Do you think the fact that you were in church and perhaps had that expectation in your mind might have caused you to have well, this? Well, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you would have been in this certain frame of mind if you're in a church, right? Mm-hmm. So you think that could have had an effect on why you had that experience? That's possibly. Uh, also, I have the belief that um, sometimes um, God does those things. Um, by himself in order to contact and um, give us, you know, certain truths. I wonder if God does do those things. I, I appreciate the call. You ever wonder about that? What does God do? What does he pay attention to? Is he a big picture guy only? Does he sit at his godly desk and just, you know, I don't know, do administrative top level stuff or does he really mix it up down here from time to time and get involved directly like that? Like, hey, you, sit, draw. I don't know. I've always wondered about that. Is God a detail guy? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Yes, this is Mary, KVI Seattle, and I just wanted to respond to uh, one of the comments that Mr. Green made last night regarding 9-11. He said that in the suicide note, uh, of the terrorists, they indicated they had a hang-up about the way Western women dressed. Oh, yes, that's, that's correct, yes. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think it should be important for people to know that in the early part of this century, there was a directive sent out by uh, what I would call a secret organization indicating that if we wanted to ruin the family in this country, we had to attack women's modesty because that's the barrier for morality, the way women treat. In other words, 
a, a country is imp- uh, how do I say this? It's important for a country for the women to be womenly and the men to be manly. Well, what does that mean for the women? Should they suddenly start covering up? Is that what you're basically well, saying? Well, they sh- shouldn't go around like prostitutes. For example, when the miniskirt came into Paris, the I'll, men... Now, wait a minute here. You're really treading on sensitive territory here. I happen to like the miniskirt. I'm still a fan of the miniskirt. Okay, and that's now, your opinion. Now, well, it is indeed. Uh, but, but you're saying that uh, women will lead us down the path to evil and doom and destruction, is what you're saying, basically. I, I think that they're not aware of of the effect that they have on men and that their fathers should tell them. Oh, I don't know about that. I think women are generally aware of the effect they have on men. Well, in a general way, but not specifically. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that if if men want their daughters to be safe, they ought to tell them how to to protect themselves (laughs) so that they shouldn't shouldn't uh, but generally you think women, so women should, oh yeah, I've got it all right so women should uh, women should uh, cover up a little bit more boy I don't know I don't know you know I've seen the way they dress over there then I've seen the way they dress here well, and, and that alone might be worth fighting a war over <laughs> uh, well, well, anyway listen I appreciate your call and your concern but I gotta go thank you very much I guess I have nothing more to say about that. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, oh, is this Art Bell? Yes, it is. Oh, it's good to hear you again, Art. Well, thank you. What's up? Uh, you had a guest on named uh, Red Elk. I sure did. Yes. Yes, and uh, he was talking about the the depths of the earth. Oh yes. Yes. And, um, An entire civilization, civilization beneath the uh, crust of the earth, yes, way down. Yes, sir, and... Uh, Lizard people. Yes, there's a whole race of people in our universe. And and it says it in the Bible. It says the dead are in deep anguish beneath the waters. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and uh, the earthquakes, yes. the volcanoes. Yes. That's hell enlarging itself. And it's going to show itself soon in our... You know, a better, a better way to say that is it's hell spilling over. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you think they're really down there? Yeah. The lizard yeah. folk and all the rest of them? Yeah. It could be. Uh, we, we've never gone down to the center of the globe, have we? I uh, There was a movie recently called The Core, which I haven't seen yet. And uh, I've always been fascinated by the inner earth. We explore the depths of outer space, but what do we know about what's beneath our feet? So very little. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, if I push the button, you're on the air. Hi. Wildcard line, now you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art? Yes. How are you doing? I'm all right, sir. Where are Good. you? Let me turn my radio off. Okay. Where are you? Uh, Ohio. Ohio. Yes, sir. Uh, on your uh, <laughs> the crop circle thing? Yes. Uh I believe the message is belief, and it's tied in with the comet. The message is what, please? Believe. Believe, okay. And it's tied in with the comet, as your guest uh, indicated. But believe is such a, I mean, it's a, a very powerful word, but believe what? Yes, it is. And you got the key there. It's a very powerful word. Yeah, fine. Uh, but believe what? Believe 
in the energy that was sent by the comets. Uh, it increased the energy of the creativity of a human being. Okay, when it came, hmm. and uh, well, there are many. Uh, the Hopi, and obviously you, and many others who give comets a great deal of credence. The Hopi, of course, believe that the that comets um, are the harbinger of very large change. That they will announce change, and then they will bring change. And in fact, science would pretty much back that up. With regard to comets, uh, comets certainly have brought change. In fact, others would even argue that comets have brought life. That the ice particles, uh, or rather the uh, what's contained within the ice particles, is what distributes life, kind of like a cosmic Johnny Appleseed. That comets go blazing through empty space, space occasionally. Uh, coming upon a planet suitable for life, and that as they re-enter that planet, uh, that planet's atmosphere, they distribute the seeds of life. So there are many, many people who attach a great deal of significance to comets, um, perhaps not without reason either. All right, well, we're talking about some pretty interesting things. Sounds like contact night. Anyway, you're welcome to join us. You know the numbers. I'm Art Bell in for George Norrie on this early Saturday morning. to coast and worldwide on the internet this is coast to coast am with george norrie filling in for george tonight's special guest host is art bell to talk with art call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295 the first time caller line is area code 775-727-1222 east of the rockies call 800-825-5033 
and west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may recharge by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. Those are the portals. I am merely the messenger. How you doing? I'm Art Bell, and from the high desert, this is Coast to Coast AM, raging throughout the nighttime, open lines, anything goes, be right back. Isn't that such an interesting word all by itself? If you're not told what to believe or you're not, uh, it, it's not expressed to you what you should be believing in, then you're going to attach that to probably what you believed anyway, aren't you? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Mr. Bell. How are you? Pretty well, thank you. Good. Glad to hear your voice. This is Gary from St. Louis. Hey, Gary. Hi. Uh, you wanted serious contact? Well, I'm going to give it to you. I uh, have had multiple encounters since the age of five years old. Um, I will not get into all um, uh, both or all of the encounters. It would take too much time. So, but you're a contactee, a real contactee. Yes, I, I am. Began when you were five. Well, that is pretty typical. Contactees uh, frequently have it all their life. That's correct. Um, back in 1969, shortly before the uh, Apollo 11 moon launch, I was um, um, on a one-night campout in a field uh, behind my scoutmaster's house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a one-night outing to prepare us for uh, longer outings during the, the course of the summer. I was approximately 15 years old. Sure. And my buddy and I were in a, uh, we had 22 scouts. Uh, attending and uh, it was approximately two o'clock in the morning and my buddy and I were lying in a two-man tent telling dirty cow jokes <laughs> I remember that vividly and an object approached out of the east headed due west at first we thought it was a small aircraft because of the fact that we had a small private airport five miles due west of us and but it seemed unusual that a small airplane would be landing that time of evening. Usually, uh, most of the smaller aircraft would land during the day. Uh, the object uh, then all of a sudden approached us rapidly, and um, it got within 50 feet of us. Uh, it was uh, hovering uh, silently. Uh, it had lights rotating its around its outer rim. Um, rotating rapidly in opposing directions. How big was this? Um, approximately the size of a football field. That's really big. All right. Yeah. Uh, the lights were rotating the uh, outer perimeter of the craft in opposing directions, reds, greens, yellows, and blues. Um, it uh, had a wobbly effect, um, and also we noticed that prior to the uh, appearance of the craft, um, you know, it was a beautiful summer night. The stars were out. We had a slight breeze. Uh, the crickets were, you know, doing their thing. And uh, But when the craft approached, everything went silent. I mean, totally silent. Um, my buddy was freaking out. I wanted to scream to get the other scouts awake to come out to be witnesses to what we were viewing. Sure. But for some reason, I couldn't do it. I mean, I literally tried to scream to get them up but I could not do it. Right. Um, now, I wasn't, for some reason, I wasn't as scared as my buddy, and 
just for the heck of it, I played games with this thing. I just basically looked up at it and said, if you can hear us, we're going to move so many feet in this direction. Mm-hmm. And when we get there, I want you to come over to us. And I'm thinking, you know, that I'm just blowing wind. Well, we started walking um, in a particular direction. The craft just remained there wobbling and hovering. And then finally, when we got to a specific point, the object came over to us, I mean, so fast. I mean, you couldn't even, you didn't even have time to blink your eye. It was there that quick. And then that's when I freaked out. Well, it finally uh, bypassed over our heads far enough and sat down in the field. The outer perimeter lights went off. And then I noticed on the lower carriage of the object um, a rippling effect, a wavy rippling effect, like some of the the metallic structure of the object was turning to liquid. Where did this happen? This happened in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Okay. Mm-hmm. I noticed a rip, a wobbly, wavy ripple effect like water, and all of a sudden a elongated opening appeared in the lower section of the craft, and a very bright, white, intense light came out of it. And then a larger opening then appeared... And then a very small ramp elongated out of the craft to the ground. Immediately, and from my 30 years of research since that encounter, um, I can honestly say that the uh, occupant that departed the craft was a typical gray, very short, large head, dark eyes, approached us and stopped within 10 feet of us. And then I also noticed two other humanoid forms in each side of the doorway peering out and they appeared to be wearing jumpsuits um they had long hair i couldn't distinguish the color it was pretty dark even though they were in the white very bright white light but anyway the uh occupant of the craft um basically immediately gave me i I imagine telepathically because i didn't see any its its mouth moving its mouth was no more than a slit, gave me an equation. And then immediately, uh, I would say within 30 seconds, panicked and turned and literally ran back into the craft. And uh, according to um, uh, uh, the people that are investigating my cases currently, You've got um, the wobbly effect was considered the you, only way physics can describe that. You've got, aspect. You, you've got legitimate investigators on, yes, on your case. Who? Um, I have a Mr. Jim Cross who was originally associated with uh, MUFON and now is doing independent research. Right. Um, I was um, I had held on to that equation for more than um, thirty years and uh, was. Uh, finally wrote a letter to the J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies and received a letter back from a Frank John Reed who uh, wrote me a letter. You included the equation. Yes, I did. And he uh, basically, in short, wrote, I must honestly say that items of information like your equation usually do not prove out. This would not disprove the reality of the experience. How could we know that such an item was not a deliberate red herring of the aliens? Now, he suggested that I contact a Mr. John Carpenter out of Springfield, Missouri. Right. 
Mr. Carpenter um, contacted me by phone, and his opinion was, well, let's forget about the red herring. Let's consider that possibly the extraterrestrial gave you the equation just to see what you would do with it. Do, do you now know, have any idea what the equation means? Well, this is where it gets extremely interesting. Okay. Um, Mr. Cross had been, for a number of years, wor had been working on an equation of his own called the Thames equation. And which, there was a... Excuse me, which was uh, an equation to what? Well, the equation, I don't fully understand. This is something that he has not touched, fully touched base with me on. It, it's... It's it's pretty complicated. It uh, I know the answer. I, you know I have it right here in front of me, and I couldn't tell you what all these little symbols and all these little letters. All right, so we've got right. to get to the bottom line. What what did what was his opinion of the equation? I mean, well, during the course of uh, our investigation, he asked me if he could take my equation home and play with it because the Tim's equation he had a missing piece. He could not get it to work. Okay. Bottom line, was this the missing piece? Yes, it was. He took an equation that I received during an encounter in 1969 and almost 30-some-odd years later put incorporated it into his equation. Okay, well, how can you not have asked what this equation was? Uh... Well, his equation, um, the part in reference to the equation will be explained to me in detail. We haven't gotten that far yet. All right, well, when you do, I want to hear about it. In the meantime, I, I absolutely appreciate the, the call. But until we understand uh, either what he was working on or how this filled that out or what it all means, at any rate, when you get the rest of that, uh, I'd be most interested. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Is this me, Art? That's you, sir. Good to talk to you again. Uh, thank you. Where are you? Uh, Los Angeles area. L.A., okay. Yes, sir. As I told you when you uh, picked up the phone, uh, I have part of an exorcism about two minutes. Oh, 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 that's right. You're the uh, the gentleman who once played a, an exorcism for me on the air, aren't you? Yes, sir. And you, you, you have now another exorcism. Well, I have another one. Yeah, I ran across it. Uh, this now, there's there's nothing that you're in what you're about to play that I cannot air, is there? No, sir. Uh huh. Um, this, all right. This is a real exorcism. Yes, it is. Um, he had several. This is just one of the demons that left him. All right. Go.
Sounds good. There you have it. <laughs> Lust was exorcised. Well, that's one I hadn't heard before, that's for sure. That stuff comes up out of the deep south, where they, uh, well, you could hear the accents, where they do that kind of thing. They do that kind of thing, uh, sometimes even publicly. It's pretty wild. <laughs> You're on the air, Coast to Coast AM on the first time caller line. Hello. Hi, this is Joanne from Milwaukee. Hey, Joanne. Um, back in 95, I saw two triangular, black triangular aircraft in the sky. They had no cockpit. They had no landing gears. They were absolutely smooth and absolutely silent. And they kind of hovered there for a while, and then they did a vertical lift and did a simultaneously. They did this perfect 90-degree turn and were out of sight literally in just a second. Any doubt in your mind about what you saw? Well, I've never seen any military craft like that. So, but I always wondered what yours looked like. I kept hearing that you've seen some, but is that similar to what you saw? We have seen two. Uh, one was a triangular craft which flew directly over our heads. The other was a disc, a very bright silver disc in the contrail of an airplane, uh, which then eventually moved uh, off to the south at a very rapid pace. Uh, so we've seen two. One one was triangular, dark, stealthy, not to totally quiet, and impossible. You know, defying gravity. So. Yeah, that's what I thought this was. And I was sitting <laughs> on the hood of my car, and people are driving by, and no one else is stopping. And it's like, okay, you know, I just wish someone else had seen it with me. But but I still don't believe it was a military craft. I've never seen anything move like that, and I've seen Harriers do their vertical lift, and they're not silent, so. Well, I I appreciate your call and your, and your comment. I, too, cannot, well, I can't discount the possibility that it was a military craft. It could be, but I don't think that's what I saw. I mean, it could be, and that's just, it's got to remain an open possibility. After all, I do live in an area where experimental craft are regularly exercised. You get to see them, so it could could be, but I don't know. It was close to nothing that I can even imagine we actually have. Um, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, hi, Art. This is Teresa, also calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> listening to you on 1130. Excellent. And uh, first, I want to say it's a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm glad you're on last night tonight because you're actually my birthday present. Yesterday was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, I wanted to get your take on uh, maybe traveling to different dimensions. I had a very weird occurrence happen to me a couple of years ago with me and my husband, and it was like we just switched dimensions without ever knowing it. How so? Okay, uh, my husband and I camp a lot, and we were in Michigan City, Indiana, and uh, we were actually outside of there at a park, and we used to have to go into Michigan City every day to get our food and stuff. And uh, we would pass a nuclear power plant that was out there that had two reactors. They were always going every day. And uh, we stayed there probably for about a week and a half or so, and we came back to the same area about eight months later, and there was only one. Huh. And out of curiosity, we also ghost hunt, so, you know, we check out very weird things. But we asked people in the city whatever happened to the other one, thinking maybe there was an accident or, you know, a leak or something that might have happened. And sure. They, they looked at us like we were crazy and said there had only been one to begin with. There was never two of them. But yet we have them on pictures. We We both saw them. You know, this was every day, two or three times a day, going to town to get food. Oh, well. And, uh, 
Uh, you know, don't we don't know, know what, what happened to it, you know, as, as far as the nuclear reactor disappearing, but it was a very weird occurrence. That really is weird. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've heard so many stories over the years of what appear to be steps into other dimensions or time slips or little things that seem out of place that happen uh, in, in just regular course of life. A lot of people probably don't even notice or don't pay attention, and then every now and then somebody does, and boom, you catch it. So, yeah, this, nothing ever you know happened to us like that before. This was just a one-time occurrence, and we, we both saw if it had just been one of us, it would be different. But, you know, having both seen it and, you know, everybody just saying, no, there's only been one. We were just wondering, you know, maybe maybe a coast-to-coast -coast listener has had the same experience. Or... Oh, that you can depend on. Uh, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Bill. Hi. This is uh, Sean. I'm calling from Laurenburg, North Carolina. Yes, sir. And I'm very pleased to be speaking with you because I didn't think I was going to get through, but here I am. Hey, what do hey. you know? Um, I have a, a short story I'd like to share with you and your audience uh, since tonight is uh, considered to be contact night. I guess. Uh, it's, it was about, uh, I guess around three years ago, uh, late September, early October of 2000, I was visiting my father in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it was uh, during a time where my grandfather had, had passed away, and uh, was, I was in Ohio for his funeral, and then I decided to you know, travel down to see my father. Well, while I was at my father's house one evening, uh, my father was at work, and I was uh, at the house uh with my uh, brother and stepmother, which they had went out uh, that evening to uh, go run a couple of errands, and then they came back around a half hour later. My brother Derek had told me that on their way out, he had seen this strange object in the sky not far from uh, where my dad's house was, a little piece out in the neighborhood. And uh, I asked him, well, was this object still in the sky when they came back home? And he said, yeah. So we, we kind of estimated that it was at least there for a half an hour. So he and I took the notion to uh, walk down through the neighborhood to, you know, maybe see if this thing was still there. On, the, on that note, hold it right there. Can you afford to hold on? Yes, I sure uh, can. Oh, actually, we're paying for the call, so we can afford for you to hold on. So stay right where you are, and we'll, we'll come back to you. We've got to take a break here for news at the top of the hour. Yeah, I guess this is contact night. I've been where the eagle flies, rode his wings across autumn skies, kissed the sun, touched the moon, but he left me much too soon. His ladybird, he left his ladybird. Ladybird, come on down. I'm here waiting on the ground. Ladybird, I'll treat you good. Ah, Ladybird, I wish you would. Be it sight, sound, smell, or touch, there's something inside that we need so much. The sight of a touch, or the scent of a sound, or the strength of an oak roots deep in the ground. The wonder of flowers to be covered and then to burst up through tarmac to the sun again. Or to fly to the sun without burning a wing. To lie in a meadow and hear the grass sing. To have all these things in our memories hold and they use them.
Coast and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Filling in for George, tonight's special guest host is Art Bell. To talk with Art, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. East of the Rockies, call 800-825-5033. And west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. Oh, we do live in a very mysterious and reassuring cosmos, don't we? Where anything is possible, where anything can happen, contact or anything else. But we seem to be talking about contact tonight. What a night. We'll be, actually, we'll get right back to it. Open lines for contact. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, Art, thank you for letting me hold over during the break. Uh, you're very uh, welcome. Uh, continue on. Yes, I'm very anxious to continue with my story. Um, so, anyway, my brother and I, we uh, decided to uh, grab our binoculars. We each had a pair. Um, and I wanted to take mine along because I, I have a visual impairment. Uh, I have peripheral vision, but I don't have straight-ahead vision. It's called macular degeneration. I was born with it. Mm. But, but anyway, so we're walking down through the neighborhood, and I'm like, well, you know, how far away is this thing? And he says, well, it was it was a good ways down. So I'd say we walked a good four or five blocks down through a fairly nice neighborhood, uh, nice homes and such. Uh, well, we got partway down, and he said, there it is. And I said, there what is? And I looked up, and I seen this thing, and I said, what in the world is it? I mean, it was, I would, if if I was guessing, I would estimate that it was probably about three or 400 feet up just hovering. I mean, not making a sound. And I, I looked at my brother and I said, well, you know, describe it to me a little bit better because, you know, with a visual impairment, I wanted to be sure I was seeing what I was seeing. And he's got, you know, excellent vision, so he could tell me, you know, what he was seeing, you know. Yes. And, and he said, uh, he said it's triangular shaped. It has uh, lights on the bottom and a red light in the center, which is exactly what it looked like to me. Hmm. Well, we're standing there looking at this thing for about a good five minutes when all of a sudden it just decides to take off all you know, but when it took off, it just kind of slowly glided across the sky, and as it was gliding across the sky, it was going upwards in elevation until it got, oh, I'd say maybe a few thousand feet up in the air, and then it just abruptly took off. So we're we're standing there contemplating, what did we just see when, you know, I guess we were there about two minutes after this thing had left, and then it wasn't even two minutes later that we saw about three... Uh, military jets following in the same uh, mm-hmm. line that the craft took off in, going in the same direction. Very similar to many reports. Yeah, and but here's the crazy thing, though. I went home later that night. I went outside. I, I was at that time a, a smoker. I went out to smoke a cigarette. I look across the field in the general direction of where we saw this thing earlier in the night, and I'm seeing these these dancing lights going all over the place. I mean, I... I don't know what they were. They just looked like flashing orbs or something, just hopping this way and that and just doing things that, you know, no aircraft that, you know, we could possibly conceive would even, you know, do anything like that, I mean, could do. I mean, it just... No, sure, obviously. All right, well, you know, this kind of a story is, I don't know, it's, it's, 
a typical contact story. What else can you say? It is a typical contact story. It's happened to millions of people. Now, what? but what does it mean? We see these things. Are they observing us? They're screwing around with our cows. They're screwing around with our wheat fields. They're purportedly sending messages. I mean, what is this all about? Really, what is it all about? It is substantial. It's real. It's happening. But what is it? If there's a message, what is it? If they're just observing, they're doing it in kind of a haphazard way. The whole thing is very hard to figure out. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, hello, Art. Uh, this is Mike. I'm calling from Phoenix. Hey, Mike. And I want to talk about portals. Portals. Yeah, I've had a, a lifetime of experiences with them uh, in two different manners. Uh, in each case, they're the same. Uh, but, I mean, the portals are they're recognizable as portals. But uh, it's either astrally or I've actually encountered them uh, uh, astrally in my sleep or I've encountered them wide awake. Um, uh, I can say that... Uh, Por right. Portals to what? Other worlds. Portals to other worlds. Um, mm -hmm. Now, in what... What form do these portals take? Uh, is it just sort of a shimmering opening or what? Uh, you know, like the iris of a camera? Yes. How it's kind of a pinpoint and then it opens up? Sure. It's like that. Okay, um, okay, and, sure. And it, it, it starts at a small and opens up and uh, it's blurred around the edges. Is it lighted or is it of solids, you know, some sort of substance, obvious substance? Um, what It's... Hmm. Uh, let's just say that there's this world, and then you're looking through an opening into another three-dimensional, very real, solid world. Uh -huh. I mean, just it's like you're looking through a window. And uh, uh, I, you had a, uh, I'm, I know other people have experienced these. So you've only seen them, or have you ever tried well, to step into one? I've uh, traveled astrally through them. I can tell you that Carlos Castaneda's books because of, of uh, descriptions of other worlds in those books that the Toltecs talk about. One of them, for example, is called the Yellow World. Uh, I had been traveling through that astrally, and, you know, I'd, I'd fall asleep, it would open up, and I'd travel in my astral body uh, uh, around the Yellow World uh, in, innumerable times. Uh, the yellow world is basically called that because it's nothing but yellow sand, yellow sand dunes, and yellow sky. It's a boring place to walk around in. Not a lot going on, just a whole bunch of sand and sky. and Right, but uh, the Toltecs say that you basically have to cross that to get into other worlds. So um, anyway, uh, another one is the is another actually boring place. There's really nothing going on there. It's It's a dark world. It's kind of like a. Imagine yourself being on a planetoid, uh, a rock in space, uh, not well lit. You can just enough light to be able to see anything. But there's, and the thing is, it has a time effect that's different from our time. A day without sunshine, sir, is yeah like night. Exactly. Uh, another world I saw, and this was a, a, a sighting when I was awake. It it opened up in my room. Uh, the other side was uh, green grass, 
Uh, well, that kind of sounds a, friendlier right away. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Uh, green grass, like a lawn. Um, uh, kind of a sloping hill, sloping up to the top of this rise uh, with a grove of some beautiful trees. You think these worlds really exist? Um, well, I've seen them. I mean, I can't deny them. I've experienced them. You had a caller a number of years ago who said, uh, and because of time constraints, you couldn't uh, let her get into get into it, who said that she experienced portals, and you'd be surprised as to the kinds of things that can be seen through them or that could pass through them. And furthermore, there was a case where, uh, and I had friends who actually invited me over to their apartment, third-floor apartment, that had a portal in their closet, and there was something that came through. <laughs> and it was solid enough to nudge me in the ribs. It was like this big, friendly dog. It wasn't a ghost. Oh. And, um, I don't know that I would like that at all. I, I always uh, I appreciate the call. I always had a dark fear of my closet anyway. I knew damn well there was a portal or something in there. Every now and then, I still close closets. Don't like closets closed. I just... Uh, there's something about a closet. Anybody else feel the same way? I mean, it's dark. There's all those clothes in there. You never see what's behind it. You'll know something's there, right? Moving around behind the clothes. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes, Art. Uh, I listened to Matt Drudge for, on the Matt Drudge, Matt Drudge report last Sunday night, and he said hmm. that he had missed your show and was wondering what had happened to you. He was wondering what had happened to me. Right. Um, well. So, so he did. Evidently, he said it, it was one of the best shows there was, and he just hadn't heard you. And uh, so, I just thought you might like to know. Hmm. Well, hello to Matt, and thanks for the rumor, buddy. <laughs> no, this was uh, he's on here. I'm calling yes. from South Texas, and uh, oh, I know he's on in you know all over the country. Right, and, all over the country, and this was uh, uh, last Sunday evening. I, I'm well aware. Believe me, I got email messages. You well, wouldn't I didn't know it. whether your your calls would be good ones or bad ones, <laughs> as far as he's concerned. Well, uh, they should be good, but it, I thought you might like to know since you're out of here. I I do appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, Matt. Thank you very much for that rumor. Matt uh, floated a rumor that um, he said, I think somebody told me, he said he had from several sources that I was coming out of retirement and would uh, appear exclusively on XM radio or something like that. And I got about five million emails. Thanks, Matt. And as I said last night in detail, that rumor is not true. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. Uh, good morning. This is Mark from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, Mark. I'm listening on Superstation 1110 KFAB. Boy, that it, it rocks out across the plains. Yeah. Oh, it sure does. Hey, uh, first of all, I want to mention about that, oh, that poor cat. Uh, the, oh, the cat? Yes. The cat. Uh, you mean... <laughs> that poor cat. It's that second one that gets me. I know, huh? Yeah. The thing is, people say the poor cat. Well, yeah. you know what I say? Oh, poor hell. Oh. That cat gets down there. There's going to be hell to pay. You know, you never know. I mean, if you think optimistically, maybe it was on its way to cat heaven. I mean, maybe there's nothing <laughs> down there, but, you know. 
I don't know. Little warrior cat. Gourmet cat food, whatever. Uh, Art, let's assume that Alexander Sitchin was correct. Uh, you mean Zacharias. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Zacharias. Yes. We were apparently perfectly happy monkeys or something. And, uh, uh, we, we, were, were we, were, we were a bunch of gold diggers. Yes, uh, genetically engineered to mine our own gold. That's right. Our own gold. Yeah. Well, no, well, no. We were, we were well, our created to, well, it may be our planet, but they were having us mine gold not for ourselves, but for them. You don't think Yes, exactly. Yeah. And now they come back and they want to be our friends? Well, you've got a good point there. Now, 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 many people say that there are many, many, many different aliens, not just those who pass by every now and then on yes. Nibiru, but many different ones, right? Yes. But, yes. I mean, if they were the same ones, then you have a very good point. You know, the, we need a ringer. A ringer? A ringer. Uh, this is why we need SETI. We're, we're calling out for help. We need some help from some unto here for heard of party that is going to come in and help us we need a ringer well i don't know i as i said um a lot of people wish and hope and pray for this that somebody will come zooming in uh mm -hmm. in their chrome saucers and save our butts but i i'm not so sure and i think hoping and praying for that is fine but you better help yourself amen to that art Hey, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener, love you to death, Art. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Take care. Mm -hmm. East of the Rockies, uh, guess what? You're on the air. Yeah, hello. Okay, turn your radio off, please. That's yes, number one. Good. Thank you. Bless yes, you. Hello. Uh, hello. Hello? Hello. Yes, Art. That would be me. And uh, um, this is Paul from Baltimore. Yo, Paul. I have a, a theory about your crop circles. Mine, they're not mine. They're ours, my friend. Yes, and I'm listening on CC Radio, of course. Uh, my uh, my stations I listen to would be the uh, um, 1110 and 1210. But uh, I believe the crop circles are the poachers in the divine garden of souls. Oh. And uh, Ed Dames has talked about this, that uh, we really are a, a crop of souls. Yeah, oh yes, and many, and others have as well. It's a fascinating theory. Poachers in, in the divine crop of cells. Yeah, Garden yeah. of Souls. Oh, Garden of Souls, well. And of course, there is the prime directive like in Star Trek, and the, only deception can be used. In other words, there can be no interference, but they can use deception. And I believe that the UFOs and the crop circles are based at basically the deceptive um, interference. At any rate, the real issue at hand uh, would be the soul of man. That's that's what all of this is about. Turn turn your radio off. You don't need to hear that. So, the, the real issue at hand here is the soul of mankind. Right. And uh, if you remember Independence Day, uh, clearly. Yeah, the top of the building party. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what would the uh, believers in the crop circles would be. Hmm. Well, maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> I I did make note at the time I saw that movie, and I'm sure many of you did too, that there would be people who would go out and welcome them exactly as was depicted in that motion picture. Now, would they be fried and toasted at the top of the building? 
uh, or would they get the welcome they thought they were in for? I don't know. I think it's a flip of the coin right now. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Mr. Bell. Hello. Uh, this is Tony, North Hollywood. Hey, Tony. Um, kind of with the last caller, I have a theory on, on what it, the message might be. Sure. Because didn't the guy say that it emanates from the constellation Pisces? Yes. Isn't Pisces a symbol for Jesus? Okay. And also that the... Um, what other thing? The object has wings. Uh, the object that Soho took a photograph of uh, was a winged object, yes. A winged object, you would think, would be like angelic. Hmm. And if it's to believe, the belief might be in Jesus. It might be. Because if it's coming from uh, Constellation Pisces... All of that might be. But, I mean, if you're coming at this from the direction I think you're coming at it from, then uh, you should also be well aware the Bible says all this sort of stuff is uh, wicked, evil nonsense. Well, I also think it's... Right? It might, it's, there's like a convergence of things happening all at the same time. Yes, but but still, that is what the Bible says about these things. Right. Wicked, evil, nonsense. But I also I always thought that uh, the second coming would be, it, like they said, there would be signs in the heavens. Well, maybe. Uh, I don't know, though, how it can be uh, preceded by signs in the heavens when uh, the instructions are to ignore them as wicked, evil things. So I don't know how you're going to know when the real McCoy is here. Well, I think that uh, they, didn't, they really didn't want us to know huh. that maybe to prepare ourselves because, like they say, um, it's either going to be a mass evacuation or like a tribulation if people will be caught up. One will be left behind and the other will will be taken. Ah, the great sucking sound. The the lifting of what, about half or better? Right. Of where, all who are here? I always remember that part. That always stuck in my head where one would be left behind in the field. Yeah. Two would be in the field. One would be left behind. The other would be taken. What would you think if you woke up one day and all your friends who were really the best people you ever knew were gone? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the call. Caesars don't fear the reaper, nor do the wind, the sun, or the rain. We can be like they are. Come on, baby. Don't fear the reaper. Baby, take my hand.
coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Filling in for George, tonight's special guest host is Art Bell. To talk with Art, call the wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. East of the Rockies, call 800-825-5033. And west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling the AT&T International Operator and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Now, for George Norrie, special guest host, Art Bell. We're rocking into the night of the unknown. Good morning, everybody from the high desert. We'll continue with all of this almost immediately. Well, I've got to admit, it certainly is a trip getting to talk to all of you again. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello. 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 Art, gosh, um, Ryan here in Kansas City. I'd be embarrassed uh, were you to have remembered some of the conversations we've had in the past. Uh, I'd be I'd, amazed. Anyway, give it uh, a shot. I, I, I'd sure like um, to um, in, in, encourage people to... Um, Turn your radio off. Look, look into this historical artwork thing. Uh, you've had a guest... Wait a minute. Oh, slow up. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Slow up. Turn your radio off. Gosh, I'm going to run farther away from the room. I'm, I'm at a friend's house here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to me, this this has just been the best evidence of... of uh, uh, his, uh, historical... From, from hold on. Hold on. Slow down. Sure. Historical artwork. What historical artwork? I'm sorry? What historical artwork? Uh, gosh, well, there, there's there's stuff hanging uh, in the Louvre. Um, I mean, so many things from from both the Renaissance and uh, gosh, going back thirty thousand years ago, cave paintings. You know, uh, Matthew Hurley is is a man that you've had on in the past. So you're referring to all of this old artwork that you believe depicts alien presence. I mean, these are hat-shaped crafts with beams of light shining down on people, with 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 people and their animals uh, looking up in the backgrounds. You oh, know, you, I mean, you are exactly right. Yes, there's a lot of pre-sci-fi this stuff. You know, and to me, it's just the best evidence out there. It's but, either, um, you know, gosh, what? I'd sure like to hear him back. And and um, all right, well, sir, you know what? That's either evidence you see of the fact that uh, we have always been visited. Or, you've got to imagine, it can be evidence of people always imagining that kind of a visitation, right? You can't know for sure that that's what they were looking at any more than we depict things that come from our imagination and put them in print and put them on walls and serve them up as graffiti and in every way you can imagine. We do that, right? We picture a lot of things or turn things into pictures that come from our imagination. So you can't rule out the fact that's the, what they were doing. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Art? Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a sound clip of Hell I want to play to you and Coast Coast listeners. Yeah, it's a sound clip of what? It's a sound clip of Hell. You can hear fire burning, and you can hear people with, like, soul burning and just what, demonic. What, soul burning? Uh, where, where, where did this come from? <laughs> well, I have a... I listen to a Satanist heavy metal band. They're named Deicide, and it's on it's on their CD. And it's really cool. Uh, so in other words, they created the sound, right? Uh, I guess I have no idea where they got it from. I see. Well, uh, that's interesting. But that comes from a rock band, and I can I can do you one better. 
Yeah, well, I think you should hear this one, though. Well, I'm willing to listen to a little of that. Let me hear it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Here it goes, people. Here it goes. It's supposed to be hell. It's from a rock band. Which, you know. I hear the flame. Yeah. You're screaming. All right, well, there it is. All right, that's their depiction of hell. Then there's the other hell. <laughs> you see, this purports to be a real recording of hell, one taken in Siberia and Russia where they drilled the deepest hole in the world. This was carried on news services and then lowered mics into the hole. The scientists, after hearing the following, fled the site. Here it is. Listen. <laughs> If you pulled that sound out of a hole, <laughs> you'd probably take off too, wouldn't you? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, uh, Art. Yes. Yeah, this is Frank in Eastern Washington. How are you? I'm fine, Frank. Boy, I tell you, that's a scary sound. I tell you. Uh, yeah, it is. Yes. Uh, well, I tell you, I got a story about I was I was visited by aliens. Uh, yeah, last summer I was out that in my, the backyard, uh-huh. and and I got there's just lights. It was late late at night, and there's lights going all around, and 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 pretty soon what happened is is they started to converge right in the right in the middle, and they came down and it was like a ship, and landed right in my field. And I got about ten acres out there. Yes, sir. And and, and uh, these little guys came out and they were gray. They I tell you these were the grays, and they came out and they went up to me. And I, I, I swear to goodness, I, I was scared, and I didn't know what to do. I, th- I thought they were going to they hurt me or something, and take me away in their ship. And you know, I got I got things to do, you know. <laughs> so so I mean, so anyway, there they were, and they were pointing at me, and they're talking amongst themselves in the kind of a threatening manner. And I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have no my shotgun with me, so I just pulled out. I had some pepper spray. You know, and they got them big old eyes. You, you know? pepper sprayed grays? Yeah, yeah, they they didn't like that one. Oh, day, I'm they, sure with those big eyes, my God, man. And yeah, so what happened when you hit them with the pepper spray? What happened? Well, I tell you, they start hopping around. They don't have no eyelids. They were know? hopping around. Oh, that's right, no eyelids. Oh, my God. They they were mad at me, I tell you. And one of them that I didn't get real good, yeah. he, he, like, pointed his finger at me. Yeah. And, yeah, I think he had something in his hand or something. But then I couldn't move. And, and oh, he obviously paralyzed you. Yeah. I tell you. And then they brought me in there. Can you and you know them? all those stories about those anal probes? Uh-huh. Those are true. Uh-huh. I tell you, they really got me good. Well, and, and my my dog, my dog was in the house. He was carrying on and everything. Yeah. They even, they, they even anal probed him. I tell oh, you, my and, God, even your dog. All right, well, dog, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear it. I, I, I hope life is better to you as the years roll by. I appreciate the call. Pepper spray. <laughs> In those big eyes that can't even close. Ah, that's cold. Really cold. 
<laughs> Wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Um, I'm Diana, and I'm lis- uh, listening from Bakersfield, California. Yes. And I want to know how you lost 50 pounds and where we can see a picture of you. How did I lose 50 pounds? I lost 50 pounds by not eating so much. <laughs> it's the real secret not eating so much diet. Oh, the hard way. <laughs> In other words, um, after I retired, of course, obviously, I'm not sitting around as much, right? I'm moving more. So that probably helps. But mostly, it's just I decided I was going to, I stopped eating so much. And when I did, my stomach got smaller. And then I didn't want to eat as much. So then it wasn't hard. No big secret. That's really great. But I want to see a picture of you. Well, I'm sure we can arrange that. Oh, good. Okay. Well, will you say it on the air where we can look? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Next time I'm on, uh, I'll I'll take a picture and you can see the new me. Thank you very much and you're, congratulations. You, uh, yes, you're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And that that it was. There's no other secret. It's called the great secret. Don't eat as much diet. <laughs> it's worked very well for me. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, Art. This is Michael in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Hey there. Uh, I've got just a quick uh, research note for you. Uh, I know that uh, sometimes you have difficulty uh, taking contact information uh, off the air, so I'll just tell you uh, in advance of uh, my note that uh, your call screener in Los Angeles... Uh, I, don't ha- ha- I don't have a call screener. Well, I mean uh, uh, George's call screener yes. in, in Los Angeles yes. uh, has uh, my number. Uh, he has used it uh, just once uh, uh, a few weeks ago. To contact me, so I don't know if he still has it. If you're not able to take my number down right now, no, I'm not. But uh, anyway, so talk but... to talk to Tom Dan- Danheiser uh, uh, to get in touch with me. But he- here's the research note: there is a term in uh, modern theology which is very frequently used by one half of Christianity and almost never used by the other half. And what is that? It is a title, a theological title. The title is Mother of God. Yes. Now, the reason why this is important is in conjunction with the problems that are going on in the Middle East and the possibilities for a great new political breakthrough that is coming up in just a few weeks. Now, this title, this title, just from a purely uh, scientific point of view, has a lot of controversy. It's at face value, it's it's an oxymoron. It seems to be a, an inherent contradiction. Well, it does, doesn't it? Yes, but also there is half of Christianity which considers it an accusation, uh, like the modern uh, I term. I would imagine. Not, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm not going to use the modern term, but it suggests that the father of Jesus committed incest uh, with the grandmother of Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I follow the only logical way that could be said. You, you understand that? Yeah. Well, now, it also suggests something else. It suggests that there is a being in the world which not only preceded the eternal God, but also had an overarching influence over the eternal God. Hmm. Now... A creator of the creator. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Now, this this matches up with a prediction in the book of Daniel which says that some figure would come along, exalt himself above all gods, 
and pronounce extreme blasphemies or insults against the God of gods. Mm. So, here's the thing. Here's how this relates to the Middle East. Now, this is also very offensive to the Islamic world, this, this title. I can imagine. And, and most of the Protestant world will not use it. Now, uh, the key is this. Roman Catholic churches have images or statues which are dedicated to this entity called the Mother of God, and some of those churches are in the land of Israel. And the, the new proposal for peace that's coming down through diplomatic circles in the next few weeks is to remove those images, all of them, out of Israel as a new breakthrough for peace between Jews and Islamics who are unified in their offense against this term. <laughs> and this is going to well, that's actually... that's about the only thing they're unified on, then. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be the beginning of a new initiative that you're going to eventually see Palestinians... And, and who do you think will bring this forth? Well, I, I can't get into that right now, but Darn. I'm... I, I, I am involved with that. Oh, you're involved. Oh yes, yes, and that's I why I, that's why I wanted you to to talk to Tom Danheiser, All right. who has my number, because by October the seventh, you're going to see a dramatic breakthrough in the world. All right, we're marking that one down on the calendar. October seventh, dramatic breakthrough in the Middle East, west of the Rockies. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Good to hear your voice. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, <clears throat> when I was a child, uh, we had an old house in San Francisco. We were all raised in it, seven of us. And I was the middle kid, by the way. And uh, I think when you're a child, and you may agree with this, I think you're more, I don't know, in tune spiritually with both outside good forces and outside bad forces. I, I do agree. Yes. You do? Oh, sure. I, I've always believed that, and I think you Oh, can... there's no question about it. We have not yet been brainwashed into ignoring all of that, so it comes as naturally as curiosity about a table and a chair and a rug <clears throat> when you see them for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, however, what I was... And I, know I don't have time to go through my whole big list, but just to give you an idea of the things that we went through in our house, we have to get the... I'm a Catholic, and we have to get the church involved in this, and I have never told this story to any radio show or anything. In fact, I'm not even, I'm using my middle name because... That's that's fine, but we don't have a lot of time, so tell it to us. Okay. Disembodied arm pulled down my sheet very slowly. I stood up to grab the arm. It went up into the ceiling. It had a very distinctive pajama uh, pattern on it. The next day, my the mother... The entire disembodied arm had a pajama thing on it? The, 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 it was just an arm, in other words. But with a pajama thing on it. But with a, with a pattern of a torn pajama arm on it. Oh, man. Now, when I went down into the basement, my mother was doing the laundry, and she, she asked me to get the mail, which was in the garage, past the basement. So I walked, and I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. So I walked to get the mail, and when I, I noticed something on the right, lots of cobwebs. And my father had a, uh, an old saw, like a shopsmith or a skillsmith or whatever they're called. Yes. And there was all these cobwebs on it, so it hadn't been touched. And I, and I, something caught my eye, and I looked way deep in the corner, yes. against, where it was against the wall, and I saw the pattern of that sleeve. 
So I got a stick. Oh, brother. And I pulled it out, and I screamed, and my mother asked me why I was screaming, and I said, you'd never believe me. So, I mean, it was the sleeve, the torn sleeve that was on the arm that had pulled my covers down. <laughs> then, um, just to a couple, couple more. Uh, I, I, listen, I'm not going to have time for a couple of more. Besides, uh, you're never going to top that anyway. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. But thank you, Art. All right. Uh, you're very welcome. Take care. Uh, so there you have it, a disembodied pajama arm. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, it has been a blast. I want to remind you all, if you wish to contact me until the next time we meet, uh, whenever that may be, uh, I do have operative email addresses, artbell at mindspring.com and artbell at aol.com. That's A-R-T-B-E-L-L, lowercase, uh, at uh, mindspring.com or artbell at aol.com. It has been such pleasure being back with you, and I look forward to the next opportunity to do so. I wish you all have a very wonderful night indeed and a remainder of the weekend. And once again, thank you, George, and thank you, Premier Radio Networks. And uh, night, y'all. We'll let uh, uh, the princess take us out of here. And she is a princess. Night-night. Midnight in the desert Shooting stars across the sky this magical journey will take us on a ride Filled with the longing, searching for the truth Will we make it till tomorrow? Will the sun shine on you? Midnight in the desert